We're rolling. I, uh... I got some new bath salts. To put in the bath? Yeah. What to, What else would you do with bath salts? They taste pretty good. That's fucked up, Brian. I'm fucked up guy. But it's like this... I think they're called like C, CPD bath salts. CBD. CBD, CBD yeah. yeah. The, okay. Yeah, the cannabis. <laughs> yeah, because I get high as fuck when I'm bathing in these things. Yeah, like, because they react to the heat. I know, and like I'm really... I'm floating. Like it's awesome. I, get, I understand why, why people like the drugs now. <laughs> Guys, thank you for joining us today uh, on our... In all your return episode of Let's Fight a Boss Cast. I don't quite remember how these went, but that was that was about right. Yeah, that was pretty much it. It's been a month and we're drug drug abusers now. What's yeah. going on? Uh neither of us have looked at a human face. We are we are recording this in the same location. We are just about sticking to social distancing rules as much as the architecture of this apartment allows. I've accidentally both touched your hands this evening. Seriously? I know, I treasured yeah. it. <laughs> Well, you're Hannibal Lecter, so you did like a little <laughs> finger graze off my finger. I fucking felt that shit, Neve. Um, when we were passing each other electronics, like, you know, phones and stuff, mm. it's not hard to like fumble up. Yeah. Our hands touched. It's Especially really when you're romantic. quaking with romantic ecstasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. No, there, there was a quiver and uh, a lustful release. <laughs> a lustful release. Oh, now I'm starting to remember this podcast. Yeah, it's getting intimate. Welcome to the Let's Fight a Boss video game podcast. The world's strongest video game podcast. I am sitting here with the two most post-apocalyptic podcasters in existence. All society has crumbled since the last point we did a podcast. There's no getting around it. To my left... The Wayfarer, the Scavenger, the Queen of Metal. It's Neve. I'll eat your ass. I mean, I'll kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> to my right, they call him the Shepherd of the Meat Puppets. It's the Butcher. You got any scrap metal? It's Brian. For your ass. For your ass. <laughs> Gonna cut it raw. And with you always, I am your host. The nameless one. I think that I think that's it. I think that's my new thing. The nameless one is a very good name. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. Um, so guys, we haven't recorded in a while. Uh, one month to be exact. Yeah, yep. that is surreal. Feels like the world went kind of fucking insane in so many ways. Yep. Um. So, sorry, I'm just going to start up this backup recorder because we are using a different setup, and I am spookered. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a weird one because basically on a personal level we just had this kind of catastrophic clashing of interests where to varying degrees we all had shit going on in our personal lives and it was not a super great time for us to talk about video games Um, and then literally a couple of days after that there was the murder of George Floyd and it did not feel like a super appropriate time to really do what we do, honestly. Um, I really hope that, like, this isn't something that I'd have to, like, 
confirm or affirm for a lot of people, but like we are a hundred percent on the side of the Black Lives Matter, on the side of the protests, on the side of everything. And it's weird because like when a lot of times when I talk about stuff in America for us, there is always this layer of abstraction because we live across the ocean, you know? But I think seeing everything that's happened in America, it has been harrowing and just kind of awful in a way I don't think this stuff even usually feels like, even with that layer of the ocean. And, you know, the majority of our audiences in America... God fucking... You fuck... I hope that isn't picking up. It totally is. It totally is. Um... (laughs) You were really speaking from the heart as well. I was, and now I've lost it. Uh, So fuck it. The PlayStation 5, what's the story? Um, Yeah. And, you know, a lot of our audience is in America. And I think just through media and stuff, like, we are very connected to that side of things. But I really hope if you live in America, if you're taking part in the protests, if you're affected by the protests, or just, like, just the ongoing kind of horrifying developments over there, you know, really hope you're doing okay. And we are absolutely with you 100% and it's tricky because there is this balance I feel like where you can't look away you know because like they're like especially in people of our positions like we can we have the ability to look away a lot of people do not and that's that's kind of hard but then people kind of need a release as well people need some levity and distraction and I really hope this podcast kind of brings that to people um, I like I don't know about you guys, but it's definitely like just the whole fucking thing has really made me reconsider about like what it is to have a platform, what it is to use a platform, and just the struggles that people are going through. I think I'm still reeling from it, honestly, and I don't want this section to go on forever because like as a fucking white Irish dude, I don't know what I can say other than just like, you know, heart absolutely goes out to everyone affected by it and uh, I really hope everyone's doing okay. This is a way heavier start than I wanted for our super fun return episode, but I'd feel so weird not addressing it. No, I, th- I think it's good to talk about it out in the open at the beginning. It's sparked a worldwide discussion about racism and empathy to everyone. Yeah. Um, looking back at moments in your life and just, you know, dumb stuff you did that was among your friends and you know feeling you know the processing that difficult stuff 100 percent. like i've done and said dumb shit loads throughout my life yeah and just understanding your privilege coming to terms with that and like trying to be a good ally and trying to understand what we can do in that position yeah yeah i'm incredibly thankful for the life i have and i really wish everyone a safe life like uh, keep protesting keep washing your hands just mind your please mind each other and now for an absolutely impossible fucking segue (laughs) um it's like i don't want to be disrespectful and be like okay and now move on because i think like this is something that we have all been thinking about and all been struggling with an ongoing basis that said we I think the only thing we can provide people right now is a podcast about video games. And I hope that helps and I hope it's some release. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, let's talk about video games in about 40 minutes. Guys, I watched the last arc of Yu Yu Hakusho, the Three Kings saga. Have you not watched this like 10 times already? You know, 
you're really asking many questions. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the thing is, I actually haven't. Um, the last season of Yu Yu Hakusho, Yu Yu Hakusho, if you're unaware, top three anime for me. Okay, up there with Hunter Hunter and one other, and I absolutely love it. I love it so, so much. The last season, though, this was a time in Tagashi's life, the person who wrote it, when his heart was not in it anymore. That poor man was a broken shell at this point. And, like, you should, you you can read, like, his, like, epilogue of Yu Hakusho, like, his author's final author's note, and it's absolutely heartbreaking. And basically, his body and mind were just giving out on him at this point, and he couldn't do it. And even through the filter of the anime, it's so apparent. There's like character arcs being wrapped up really nonsensically. There's these. There's one fight in it, and it's about Kurama learning to like accept his demon form, but also live without it. And it's he's literally like. I will win this fight without my demon form. Okay, I might use my demon form a little. <laughs> okay, now I will never use my demon form again unless I really need it. <laughs> it's like, that's like a 20 minute episode. And it just, it really, really doesn't work. And it's kind of heartbreaking because I think as a kid, downloading like the Three Kings saga and watching it over LimeWire, I was just happy to have more Yu Yu Hakusho. These episodes were so hard to find and the translations were so bad that I think I could nearly fill in the blanks myself. Watching it now, it's like, wow. It's like, a t- like in the Dark Tournament saga, which is one of the two best arcs, it's like, it's a 40 episode saga about this big tournament. The final Demon World tournament takes maybe eight episodes. And it's got, I think, 12,000 participants. They all die off screen? No, they all live. It's really weird. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only... Th- the, there is, like, some cool points, though. It's, like... You also get Hiei's backstory. Hiei is the Vegeta of Yu Yu Hakusho. He's the number two Vegeta in existence. Um, and his backstory is just fucking amazing. And it's so cool that the series makes you wait so long for it. And then it's so satisfying and he makes so much more sense. And then the actual final episode is just really sweet. All it is is the entire gang going to the beach. And it takes place three years after everything goes down. And it's like a pitch perfect final episode. But other than that, that final arc is, it's rough. And it's... It still gets me emotional to see that series end. And, like, the way it ends is just kind of... It's just really lovely, and I still love that show, even if that arc kind of sucks. Brian, what? how did you enjoy watching the Three Kings saga? Um, I liked that Hiei becomes a bodyguard for uh, a very interesting-looking demon. Makoro? Yeah. She's a demon lady with one eye, and half her body is a cyborg. Cool. It's yeah. pretty fucking cool. She's got a lot going on. Yeah, a lot going on. Um, Kuwabara isn't really in the last arc, is he? No, he's not. He goes to college <laughs> or high school. <laughs> um, so they can just opt out of the fighting tournaments to go to school? You know the way there's like the piccolo effect? Like when basically you have a bad guy, then he becomes a good guy. Yeah. But then like they have to introduce new bad guys and their power just becomes less and less significant. They, they, they kind of like stagger them out. Yeah, that becomes so hard for Kurobara that he's like, oh, I'm going to high school. 
good for him. You know, he seems happy, and they come, he seems happy, and they come back. And Kubar is like popular with girls because he can predict earthquakes. I think that's something girls are into. Neve. Yeah, definitely. It's really handy. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, it's super sweet though, and I, I I had a I had a very very fun time watching it. Um, Brian, yes, tell us about Looney Tunes cartoons twenty twenty. Yes, uh, I've been watching some of the Looney Tunes that came out this year. Uh, they're on HBO Go Max, which is HBO's streaming platform. I'm not using that because it's not available in Ireland. I'm using Kiss Cartoon like a normal person. <laughs> uh, they're really, really good. I was not expected. I didn't know what to expect, to be honest. Uh, Looney Tunes is what, from like the 40s? They're by Chuck Jones. They are a product of their time and... It's a lot of slapstick gags, and I love watching Looney Tunes as a kid. There's some really fucked up episodes of Looney Tunes that they probably can't show anymore. And I was wondering, like, how do you adapt something that is very much a part of history and belongs in the past, but make it more contemporary? And they've done some really, really clever changes to it. Um, some of the like examples that come to my head are like, uh, the, the two human characters that were kind of villains are uh, Elmer Fudd and Yosemite Sam. Mm-hmm. Neither of them use guns anymore. <gasps> what do they use? Water pistol? <clears throat> Yosemite Sam is a tough guy who hangs out in the saloon. Okay. And his whole thing is that he just wants the approval of his male peers. Uh, Elmer Fudd is a bald man who lives in a suburban house and... Animals come to his house and fuck with him. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So he's he's a bully victim. He's a bully victim. Yeah. Um, what they've done is, and so Bugs Bunny, they've Bugs is more or less the same. He's very, he's very comfortable with with who he is and whatever outfit he wants to pick. Uh, he he now wears green or, or sorry, he wears yellow gloves. They're like piss yellow gloves. They're so awful. Oh, why? But his original, original design that was done by Tex Avery uh, had those colored gloves. And so, and his size and scale changes all the time. Like sometimes he's the size of a small rabbit, but sometimes he's human sized when he's like messing around with Elmer Fudd. Um, Maybe Elmer Fudd's just a very small man. He could be (laughs) in a very small house. Uh Porky Pig is more or less the same. Uh, the biggest change is Daffy Duck, where mm. they have changed Daffy to be like his original shorts, the like the first wave of Daffy, where he's fucking insane. And you know the way Daffy was usually played as like the straight guy foil to Bugs's antics? That's what I liked about Daffy. He could be the straight guy, and then he could also be the wacky one if he was paired with Elmer Fudd. Yeah, okay, so now Daffy is just laughing constantly to himself doesn't make eye contact with anyone and is like in his own reality to all the other characters and he's really really spiteful and nasty and likes to fuck with people as well it's kind of fucking cool that sounds great yeah like he he's he's a fucking wild card i love it brian i was telling you about this but um i recently picked up a comic called batman versus elmer fudd (laughs) um it's a batman comic and he's hunted by elmer fudd and it's like a dark, gritty, fucked up version of Elmer Fudd. And he's so scary. He's like he's like the best hunter in the world. And he pushes Batman to his limit. And it's frightening. And it's like beautifully drawn and everything. I'm going to get you, Batman. There's a part where 
Batman tries to sneak up on Elmer Fudd and Elmer Fudd has his shotgun over his shoulder and he just fucking pulls the trigger and he nearly gets him he nearly blows his fucking head off it's good shit um <laughs> oh dear uh, what they've also done as well is the comedy is still more or less slapstick cartoon violence but they've kind of borrowed a bit from more contemporary comedy where there's a lot of jump cut edits as a as a as, as a comedy beat where they'll be like in one location and then they'll be like well then we need to do and as they're like finishing the sentence they'll end up in the next location that but never, that's kind of done that as a punchline get me yeah and it, it's such a clever way to kind of like use some modern humor while also blending the original stuff yeah like it, it's really well considered all things considered i guess i'm really uh, we're gonna we're gonna edit that sentence and we'll kind of sh- move the world's words around and just no no i i've chosen my i every single word i've said so far <laughs> in this episode has been very well calculated <laughs> and not a goof on my behalf where i'm like trying real hard not to sound like a jerk Ugh. um podcasts are hard but looney tunes makes things a bit easier yeah i'm I gonna agree. keep watching it I've, I've watched a couple episodes and i'm gonna watch some more i'm good intrigued stuff. yeah I, it's it, it's good stuff Neve. I think it's kind of sad that like kids don't get to watch the new tunes in the same way. Like, do you think a kid on Saturday morning is like time to fire up Kiss a Kiss cartoon? No, I really like that we as kids would just be like, here you go. And like, because Irish television couldn't really afford a lot of new cartoons, they would mm-hmm. just buy all the shit from like the 40s and 50s and be like, here you go, stupid kid. So we all have this kind of shared like, this is what everyone watched. But those cartoons, like, they're. They were so good. And the fucking animation amazing. in them was fucking crazy. The music and everything, like yeah. it's so, like everything is so and like unified. some of them conceptually mm-hmm. got so out there. Like you know the one about like Daffy Duck and the the artist is trying to erase him. Oh yeah, the one, yeah, and he's looking at the and, and he and he jumps outside the film reel yeah. and everything. Or the fucking sheer desperation of that one where the the man has the frog who sings and it's like hello my bunny <laughs> Michigan J Frog yeah. That that's that fucking whole thing is so amazing. And he's you, the best Looney Tunes character. That fucking frog. Is, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. <laughs> I um, love that frog so much. But yeah, did you guys see the the Pokemon Looney Tune thing? No. So basically, oh, they, yeah, the, yeah, the Pokemon yeah. company released like an animated short where it was like kind of Looney Tune style. I kind of hated it. Um, I I, I felt it kind of went for a lot of animation like saving techniques that like with looney tunes you they're real smart with like really like like using the right drawings in the right place yeah and doing some nice flourishes here and there a few too many motion tweens in this for it like to work but yeah it was cool neve who's your favorite looney tune um i like daffy a lot yeah yeah Yeah. i feel like there's like a there's like a universal suffering to Daffy that I yeah. enjoy. Like there's a lot of mental anguish there. I'm really not a fan of Tweety. No, t- no. I, I, you know what? I, I don't think Tweety Tweety's cute either. No. I, I like Tweety and Sylvester. Yeah. yeah. So I like Sylvester. I want. I would. I. I'm rooting for him. Do you guys like Pepe Le Pew? <laughs> the little red is square. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love him. <laughs> um, Whoa. So, so far while watching these shorts, I'm kind of like, is Pepe Le Pew going to be in this? And he hasn't shown up he's yet. He's an incel. Uh, yeah, he's, I he's think not you need, the... to, you need to either turn him into an incel or a bi-icon. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, honestly, like, those are your two. Those are your mm-hmm. two. It's all consensual. Those are, the, those are the two class paths for Pepe. <laughs> like, dump your experience points into yep. whichever one. Yeah, just just make them like the good kind of sex, positive, like not the yeah. yeah just make them like, make them safe. Um, you, you know, a few years ago they had what's his name Max Landis writing a script for a Pepe Le Pew oh, movie. Oh Jesus! Imagine if, uh, like, you know, I, I I know we're in a rough timeline, but like, Jesus Christ, fuck that. <laughs> Like fucking Max Landis. Max Landis, Pepe Le Pew film, and uh, Joss Whedon's Batman Girl film come out <laughs> the same year. Uh, Sexism is solved. Yep. <laughs> I'm very sorry for taking any opportunity to shit on Joss Whedon. Not to you guys, but just to people who are listening who will be mad at that. All, all those diehard Joss fans in 2020. <laughs> they exist. Dying on that mountain. Um, I watched. Gretel and Hansel. Oh, this is great. And you might be like, Gretel and Hansel? I think it's called Hansel and Gretel. Again, I was going to correct that in editing. I was going to just rearrange the word. Well, this is feminist Gretel and Hansel. Sign me out. (laughs) So fuck Hansel. It's all about Gretel. And this movie is not very good. Yeah. (laughs) Brian, you just said you liked it. I like a lot of bad films. (laughs) Sometimes you do this. Sometimes you're like, that's a fucking great movie. And then someone's like, well, I didn't like it. And you're like, yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's pretty bad. But like, I like, it's it's not awful. I just, here's the problem with Hansel and Gretel. Uh, yeah, it's got Gretel bit, good bits and bad bits. It looks gorgeous. This is basically a telling of the Grimm's, the Brothers Grimm fairy tale of Hansel and Gretel. And what would you say is the moral of that story? Uh, don't talk to strangers. Right, don't, don't take fucking shit from no one. That one. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty much don't talk to strangers. Yeah, like I think all a lot of Grimm's fairy tales are like cautionary tales for yeah. like children not to be misled by uh, a deceiving adults. With Gretel and Hansel, it's not really don't talk to strangers because it's kind of set in a I don't know olden times where everything's shit and you kind of have to rely on strangers to a degree. Um, and the moral has switched to. Nothing is ever free. Nothing, you get nothing for nothing kind of thing. And it's kind of a little bit of a mean-spirited moral, like the idea that absolutely no kindness is without a cost. But you kind of see where it's going at the start. So Gretel is now an older sister. She's around 15 years old and Hansel is around 8 or 10. And mm. she's he's her younger little brother. And they are a starving family who with no father and they're just being raised by their mother their mother just cannot raise them anymore she doesn't have the food for them she doesn't have work she just can't take them being in the house because she knows they're just she's gonna just watch them die and she's gonna fail them and she's starving so she sticks an axe in the table and she's like get the fuck out of here and find some work kids and it's this kind of real rough thing where it's kind of Gretel has to become the surrogate parent to Hansel because she is the older sister. And for Aged, it has this kind of interesting message where it's kind of like, like it's it's hard out there to be like an older sibling and to be a girl in this situation. And it kind of gets this across where Gretel thinks she's going to find some work. So she goes to a man's house and she's like, I'm good at cleaning. I can do all this stuff. I can I can be your like a mate. And he looks at her and he asks her if she's a virgin. Because the cost there 
nothing comes for free. So he's saying, I'll give you a job if you give me this. And then the next shot is Gretel walking in the rain, furious with this. But that was the scene where I knew we were in trouble with this movie and that even though the message was that maybe men will try and take this from women, it was done in the weirdest way possible because the man they used to put that across was a very gender non-conforming, queer, possibly gay-coded man. He was a fop with makeup, with his legs crossed, with a female mannequin behind him. So all his coding was extremely queer. But the kind of thing that was put out there is what will be taken from Gretel is sex, always. And you stand beside this fucking (laughs) shit. The witch is good. (laughs) I'm just teasing. So it's this thing where it's kind of, you can see what it's trying to say, but then the way it's saying it, it's not getting there you know what i mean feels like a weird compromise between two people with different views yeah it seems like the costume designer had a way different idea yeah and like like this is like a gorgeous movie it's like it's mostly done in ireland and this the just the shot composition is lovely there's really like weirdly interesting architecture like mix yeah, of the like witch's old, house is so cool yeah it's like a beautiful like micro house you know it's and like a big long triangle and the costuming is just super like interesting. Like the witch has like this huge black face covering with this wide brim hat. It's really aesthetically pleasing. And it starts to feel um Lilis Lilis Lilius Lilius, I think. From it. And- from it and um I'm not okay with this. And she is again fantastic. I think whatever she's in, she just kinda nails it. She's the the main girl from I'm Not Okay with this. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. She's fantastic. And the witch is really good with this. But anyway, um Hansel and Gretel make their way to the witch's house as they do. And they look in the window and they see this amazing buffet of food. And they the witch invites them in and Again, this concept of nothing comes without a price and they're eating all this food, but they're also working for her and they kind of see it as a fair trade until they kind of realize something is like off with it. And uh, I don't want to give away, obviously, the entirety of the movie and what switches with it. But my problem with it was it was kind of going one route or going this kind of, I think, where they thought they were telling the story about about how hard it is to be like a young girl and a sibling and all of this. And instead it kind of became this inverse thing where if you compare it to something like the witch, where the girl at the end kind of embraces witchness as this kind of power. Yeah. In this, it's kind of more this internal power is evil and bad and something that has to be controlled. Mm. And it, it just, it kind of fell apart in its I get themes. you. I get you. Yeah. So if you want to watch something really visually pretty, it it I am kind of because like I am a big witch fan. As in those they they frighten me a great deal. There's good shit in yeah, this the witch aesthetically. Stuff is really good. Did yeah. you guys ever meet a witch? Um, um, there there's one that nuns. was in a a, a, a a fun fair in Kinsale that she was a fortune teller, but she referred to herself as a witch. Really? She's she she was in like a wagon. It was real cool. Did I ever tell you about the time I was trick-or-treating and I met a real-life witch? Oh, dear. Yeah, I was out trick-or-treating and uh, it was me and a friend and we knocked on this one door and opened up and there's this just fucking, I'll never forget it, like bizarre yellow light filling the house. And there's this woman and she looked so fucked up 
and I can't describe to you how, if I was to describe every individual feature of this woman, she looked like a normal woman, but there was something so unsettling about her. And she was like playing it up. Like whatever she had, whatever way she had like done her makeup, it was like working. And she kept being like, would you boys like to come inside? And we were like, no, that's okay. Uh, we just, we just, just trick or treat. Give us something good. And she was like, well, I have lots of treats. You just have to come inside to get them. And I was like rigid with fucking fear. Whatever the hell this woman was, she put the fear of God in me and kind of traumatized me a little bit. Just from and after, and we were there for like five minutes, and eventually we were just kind of wanted to get away, and we did. But I never forgot her, and it was so scary. I love and respect how far she went for her Halloween look. Halloween look? Or a child-devouring lifestyle? Either or? Yeah. Was she, like, in the same, like, estate as you? Yep. Okay. Like, lived, lived, lived like... 30 meters away from my house. Oh, and, like, okay. she wasn't in a witch costume... She was in a white dress and had a weird white hat on. That's her witch costume, John. But like it wasn't, but it wasn't like a a witch's hat. Yeah. It was like yeah, she's just keeping a pagan. But no one has a casual white dress. It's probably a costume. I guess my no, point you're right. Is that she like, was a witch. It, no, my point <laughs> is that like it didn't look like a Halloween costume, yeah. and that's what was kind of scary. Mm. You know what I mean? And what was she like every other day of the year? I never met her. <laughs> Dear. Okay. Yeah. Definitely witch. Yeah. I just... I just think we just have a talk about this whole magic situation, personally. And I'm fucking glad that witch got hers and Eve. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I just think as long as you respect magic, it's fine. Yeah. Sure. Um. Where were we? Uh, Hansel... Gretel, Hansel, film review. Oh, Gretel and Hansel kind of shitty be wary of feminist films with all male writing team and a male director and a male producer fair enough <laughs> there you go <laughs> stick, stick to your lane guys yeah <laughs> um guys I, there's two films i want to talk about and i'll keep it brief because they kind of both feed into the same thing i watched the lift also referred to as to lift oh this is the dutch one yeah yep. This is a, a horror movie about an evil elevator. Um, and I would really encourage people to Google the poster for this movie because it's really great. It's a little girl standing in front of a scary lift and the tagline is, it's, it's four lines and it's, take the stairs, take the stairs, for the love of God, take the stairs. And um, it's a really weird horror movie from the 70s. And the core of this film is imagine every awful way you could die in an elevator. And it does them all. I can only imagine like two. Which is why it's impressive that there's like four. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Um, It's like, it's a silly movie and like, I think maybe the people making it thought they were hitting on like something a lot like deeper because like the whole theme of the film is like technology is taking over and ruining our lives. Like it, I won't, I won't say exactly where they go with it because the reveal is fun, but it's not that it's a haunted lift. There aren't any ghosts in this movie. 
just really really bad electronics <laughs> kind of there's a really fun shot that I don't want to spoil for people but um, it's like the entire film is like laden with stuff like um, oh our son's toy broke why do all toys need batteries oh wow <laughs> yeah it's like that's it and the final sequence of the movie like I'm going to spoil it a little bit they beat the lift um, and the final shot is our hero and heroine walking down the stairs. Because we need to return to a simpler time. And I'm not talking about video games on this podcast anymore. This film touched me. I don't believe in technology. I will not play with Satan's... Joysticks. Joysticks. You're going to go out and play with the rocks. Ex- absolutely. Just like I used to. Out and play some football with the lads. No, not doing that either. <laughs> Um, it was stupid it was fun how do they this is a spoiler I guess but how do you beat the elevator you press all the buttons and use it <laughs> just like run your finger <laughs> yeah. oh, you, you guys are drastically underestimating this elevator do you cut the cables from above well what if you're trying to cut the cables but it's trying to like crush you to death at the same time Okay. Ooh. there's a lot of crushing in this movie do you just abandon the building no because it's a capitalist building and there's money to be made. That is true, yeah. Yep. Um, okay, second movie I watched was called The Baby. <laughs> John, John was telling me about this. It's uh, it's a real special time. Yeah. How a- evil is this baby? Is this a, is this a horror movie? This is a horror movie. Okay. <laughs> it's a very upsetting film. Oh. It's a very upsetting movie. Really? It's also from the 70s. Should I be laughing? Yes, yes. We okay, it's, it's probably good to laugh. It, it helps. He's the, the yeah, the, 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 um, the troll. I would really encourage. I love horror movie posters from the seventies. I think they're fucking insane and beautiful. Um, the horror poster for this, actually, Neve, could you just look up the seventies horror movie poster? I just want to get the live reaction here. Right, the seven, the seventies, the baby. Yeah, uh, it came out nineteen seventy three. Nineteen seventy three yeah. poster. Give it to me, Google. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's just legs akimbo. Are they legs? What goes on in this nursery isn't for kids. Three, four, close the door. Okay, there's like what a sexy woman holding a teddy, and then just legs hanging out how, of a How cot. large are the legs? Neve? Very, very large. And a very small hand with a small axe. <laughs> very good. <laughs> okay, so this movie is about a fully grown man with the mind of a baby. Okay. Yep. Um, in the original cut of this movie, the man-baby had baby noises made by the actor who played him, who was also the producer of the movie. Uh, I don't know why that fact stands out so much in my mind, but <laughs> it does. Because you know it's his fetish. Um, that's the thing about this movie. It's a very personal it movie. It definitely feels like someone's fetish. Um, <laughs> and that's... Th- what's kind of disturbing about this movie is less so the content of the film and more the implications of the people who made it. Um... The baby, the grown man baby is overdubbed with baby noises and it's disturbing in a way that I find difficult to quantify. The whole film looks awful as in it has this really like 
molten brown look to it. Okay. And I don't know if it was intentional or not. If it's intentional, it's incredibly unsettling and fair. so fair play. If it's not, Jesus Christ. Um, I don't want to give away what happens in this movie too much. But there's a couple... After a little while, basically, it starts to be about a social worker who comes into contact with this family who have this... The family consists of three women, um, the mother and her two daughters, all of which do not seem good. They seem like bad people. Um, And after a while, you start to wonder, is this genuinely a person with some kind of affliction, physical or otherwise? Or is this a grown man who has been traumatized into acting like a baby? And it's so fucking weird. And the last, the, the, there's like, there's like a kind of final reveal in the movie. And it's just, it's so fucking strange, Brian. I told you the reveal. Yeah. Come on, who's going to watch a 1973 ba- The Baby I'll, movie? I'll drop a spoiler warning just in case. Yeah, just sure, in case. Sure. Okay, so... A very strange part of this movie, which makes me feel like this is definitely some fetishistic shit, is that women are constantly falling in love with this baby. Fuck. It turns out all women actually want, and like, Neve, I'm sorry, you know, I believe in feminism, but all that women actually want is a giant baby to take care of. This is second wave feminism. <laughs> That's called her husband. Fuck you, Hansel. In, the, in this film okay in this film that's literally what these women want no multiple women try and seduce multiple women succeed in seducing this man baby okay and th- so this caretaker this like social worker develops an infatuation with this baby okay and halfway through the film you're like okay this is kind of fucking weird why is she like this and then it's revealed her husband was killed in a traffic accident, which has left a gaping hole in her life when she's trying to fill by getting custody of the giant man baby. <laughs> All right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so then anyway, things get real murdery real fast. The, the, the family of the baby try and kill the woman and she responds by just murdering the fuck out of all them. She literally sets up a murder trap and stabs them all to death. Fuck. And then she takes custody of the baby. Then, now get ready for this shit. In the final scene of the movie, she's like looking at the baby and then she's like, okay, it's time, come on. And she takes him by the hand and she takes this grown man by the hand and he wears all these weird little baby clothes. Like, like he wears like... <laughs> Onesies with like hanging toes. Exactly. Yeah, okay. And, and, like, and like little baby shorts. And like And like puffy shirts and things. It's so, like, a 70s, like, well-to-do, high-society baby. Is the baby wearing, like, a bib and a bonnet? <laughs> yes. And, like, and, like a string tie. <laughs> no! It's horrifying. And so then, anyway, she takes the baby by the hand, and the grown man, crawling on the ground, holds her hand and walks alongside her, and she takes him into a giant nursery. And then she was like, go on. Go meet your new friend. <gasps> And from the corner of the nursery, out crawls a second man baby, her husband who was in the traffic accident. Oh my god, this is so fucked. She's so been it's... collecting them. 
<laughs> oh my god. The baby. It's so weird because I I literally don't know how to classify this movie. Part of me thinks this is such a piece of shit and such an awful movie because it is kind of boring in places, you know? Yeah. But another part of me is like, I don't remember the last time I saw a fucking movie that got to me like this. Like, when I think about the last film that really, like, left me cold, it's the likes of, like, Midsummer and Hereditary. Mm -hmm. Just stuff that is so expertly crawls into your brain and just, like, manipulates you so perfectly. This isn't that. This is like something fucking stumbled up my ass and managed to hit (laughs) my fear center, you know? But it did freak me out, and I'm still thinking about it, and I'm still disturbed. And so, like, as a piece of horror, it is successful, you know, like yeah. it did fuck me up, and that's what I want horror to do. Everyone should watch this movie. The baby, the best horror. <laughs> bring, bring, bring your mom to it. She's gonna love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of these movies has been remade. Is it The Lift? Yeah, it was uh, remade with Naomi Watts in it. What? Yeah, and I, it was... I really like Naomi Watts because <laughs> yeah. she's in some weird Ryan, fucking horror. Yeah. Ryan, you ask Watts, I have to ask. I know and it's the same director he made an English version of his movie because he just (laughs) he just thought it was that good people needed to know but Mm -hmm. she was also in the English remake of The Ring so this is is like a thing she does (laughs) she's just like yeah call me up okay so the reason I have watched both these movies and several others including Bloody Birthday which we watched Brian we did happy birthday Brian happy birthday Brian Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's just uh, deal with that later. <laughs> um, so it's... I've subs- I subscribed to Shudder. Yay. The horror movie service. And I was really curious to see what this was like. Because you click into it and it's exactly like Netflix. Exactly. But it really isn't a Netflix thing. What Shudder isn't is like a bottomless well of movies... I'd say there's about, Brian, like, we went through the list, about two to three hundred, maybe? Uh, about 150, 150, by my estimation. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. Um, so the best way I could describe Shudder as a service, and it's like five bucks a month, it's not that expensive. I've been thinking about how to, how to like, how to phrase this. I'm so proud of this, okay? I'm going to give everyone a moment to get ready for how eloquent this is a way to describe Shudder. It's been longer than a moment. Okay, go for it. I was going to let the tension build up just Sorry, to... okay. So you know when you're little and you go to the video shop, the VHS shop, and there's a horror section, and you look at, like, the back of all these weird horror movies? That's what Shudder's like. Hell yeah. I think yeah. I built it up too much. Yeah, you kind of did. Yep. But yeah, that's cool. I love that feeling. Yeah, and it's like, it's not like, again, it's not like a bottomless resource of horror movies. There's like 150 horror movies on there. Mm-hmm. But this is a service for finding shit you've never heard of and watching it. And it's got films from all around the world. All yeah. around the world. It's got Italian horror. It's got Japanese horror. It's got Korean horror. Yeah. And, uh, and so, a lot of indie stuff debuts there. I know there's a new anthology that's debuting. There's a bunch of like... Shudder original TV shows and stuff. Yeah. Um, I really subscribe to this service out of sheer boredom and curiosity. Uh, I I think I'm going to stick with it, though. I like this thing. And, like, you know, so, like sometimes I just want to watch fucking horror. Like, I just... Mm-hmm. I just want horror. And being able to just turn Shudder on 
And like, like when Brian, we went through like a bunch of movies, and I'd say we had ten options that we would have been happy to watch that night. We added a lot to the wish list. Yeah, um, and then we just ended up going with one, and I think it's actually a great service for that. Again, it's not like a lot of other streaming services. This isn't like an infinite thing that you could. It's not like a Crunchyroll, which just has like more anime than you could ever watch. But they are like cycling in and out horror movies at a pretty decent clip. It's very well curated. Yeah, and I think it's great. I honestly. I like the fact that it's a smaller streaming service. I think it's cool, and I have watched so much weird shit from the 70s and 80s on it, and it's really my jam, and I'm having a great time with it. So if you're curious, I'd really recommend just try it out for a month. Like, you'll know if it's for you or not, but I think it's fucking cool. And just to be clear, the baby is on Shudder. Neve, the baby is on Shudder. <laughs> that baby's there for you. To hold. Okay. God, there's... You know, there's some bits in that movie I don't even feel fucking comfortable talking about them. You'll when you watch it, you'll know. Highly recommend. Highly job. recommended. <laughs> uh, eight out of ten makes The Shining look like the shittening. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, he doesn't like the film anymore. Nope, bad movie. Um, Brian. Yes. You watched. <laughs> Wishmaster. Yes. Uh, I also watched a horror movie. Have you guys seen Wishmaster? Yeah. I watched it on your recommendation. I'd never seen Wishmaster because, like, who has time in their life to put aside to watch Wishmaster? As a kid, I I wasn't able to watch Wishmaster. It's on Netflix for some reason. I was like, sure, why not? This movie fucking rules. Yeah, it's insane. How is this movie so fucking good? It's... I... I never had it recommended to me. Yeah. Ever. Really? Um, never. This is such a popular cult classic. There's well, see, like three like, of them, isn't there? Yeah, 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 there yeah. Is. But see, like, I've watched stuff like, like you know how there's kind of like, because um, it came out around the same time as Scream and a few others, mm-hmm. but like, like I've watched Candyman and other films from the from the mid-90s, but I just never watched Wishmaster. Wishmaster came out in 1997, and I think it just came out at a time where like, I wouldn't have been allowed to rent it, and then by the time I would have, I'd forgotten about yes. it. Ah. I always and had it in my it, head it was from, like, way earlier. And it's, yeah, same. But it's, like, the most 1997 yeah. movie ever. It's amazing to think this movie came out two years before The Matrix. That's what I thought as well! I was like, how is this movie so close to The Matrix? Because they feel like they're from different time periods. Because it has that mixture of, like, amazing set design and horror practical oh, effects. practical effects. And then the worst CGI I've ever seen that is aged so badly and it's beautiful. Oh, uh, like, yes... But it's also fucking... Yeah, like, it, it, I agree. It, it is so charming. I am so glad it looks the way it does. I wouldn't change a single thing about it. No. It, it is just... It belongs in that... It's a time capsule. Brian, what movie. is this movie about? It is a movie about a genie. Well, a djinn. A djinn, yeah. A djinn. And it starts off in ancient... Well, no, not ancient Persia. It starts off in Persia a thousand years ago. And it, 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 there's chaos. And someone's made some wishes, and the way the wishes work with the djinn, with the wishmaster himself, <laughs> is that it's always the worst possible version of your wish. Usually involving you dying. Yeah, and I guess it's kind of like the monkey paw scenario where you want your wish, it happens, and you get your comeuppance. And he has all power, infinite magic, but it only, but he can only perform the magic if it's the person making the wish. Yeah, he... In order for him to be able to do anything, you have to wish on something. And so right away, it's got the rules of the horror movie set up. Yeah. Um, and I guess it follows a woman uh, who rubs the jewel that awakens the djinn. And they make a real big point about, huh, I, I gotta rub this. 
And she does, and the Wishmaster shows up, and he looks like a fucked up version of Crazy Diamond. Yep. Like, he looks like Crazy Diamond uh, with, like, really awful skin. He's, he's really ma- like that 90s Buffy the Vampire Slayer prosthetics face kind of thing. Yes. Where he's kind of sexy. Yeah, no, and his voice his is... His voice. Yeah. yeah and, like, and, like, he has a human form, and they put in, like, very, like, contrasted blue contacts, so, like... He like he like he really penetrates your soul, <laughs> and his voice is like, "I am the Wishmaster." He can he can penetrate more than that. <laughs> and I I also think this movie is a great celebration of other horror movies because it's produced by Wes Craven. It's directed by um, a guy called Robert Kurtzman, who still is part of movie making. Doesn't direct movies anymore, but. Before make before directing, did horror movie props and special effects, and since moving back from directing, still does horror movie props and special effects, and so it's just this kind of moment in his career and his team and others he collaborated with that they were just like, we can make a horror movie on the cheap, and we can experiment with you know our years and years of horror movie movie magic craft with the physical practical stuff with this budding new computer technology. In which we could turn someone into a glass window and smash through them. <laughs> I was so close to just taking a photo of that guy's face and sending it to Ryan. I can't because he because he convinces a guy to say, "I wish I was a door," and then he walks through him like the door he is. I think I think what he does, he's like, "What are you gonna do? Walk through me?" I wish I'd like yeah like I'd, no, I'd like to see like, you do yeah. that. He's like, I'm gonna go right through you, and the guy goes, I'd like to see that. And he's <laughs> and like, he turns him into a glass door, <laughs> as <laughs> you wish. Like he says, and it's like they do a proper like mural paint, a mural glass painting, and like they don't 3D him into a mm-hmm. door. They literally turn him into like a comic book looking door, and then the guy walks through it. But. They also just make a point with the horror movies uh, and the kind of legends of horror that Robert Englund, who plays Freddy Krueger, is in it. He's in it a lot of scenes, actually. He plays, like, the museum collector guy that wants the original statue from Persia. Yeah. And the statue falls on Ted Raimi, Sam Raimi's brother, who directed the Evil Dead movies. And then in one scene, Tony Todd plays a doorman, Bouncer, and he's like, you're not on the list, to the Wishmaster. And then, it, like, it implies you know, that the Wishmaster is more powerful than the Candyman. And so, like... Wait, sorry, how do they do that? I missed that. He drowns him in, like, a big giant, like, water capsule. It's not done very clearly, but, like, it's cool that they had Tony Todd for a day and they used him well. Oh, was Tony Todd the doorman? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, you know how I am with actors. Uh, That's funny, because I was like, this doorman is so fucking charismatic. Yeah, and they really, like, like, they really make sure, you know, that you know it's Tony Todd. Because, like, because he's also in the, um... The movies with the teenagers where they know they're going to die. What's Final Destination. You... Final Destination. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because okay. yeah. he plays the mortician in that. That kind of gives like a big exposition dump about it about death's design. Um, I love Tony Todd. I, yeah, he's I, awesome. I don't know if he's going to be in the new Candyman remake. I hope he has a cameo. That would be fun. Yeah, because like he's so, who's making that. Uh, Jordan Peele's yeah. producing it Good. with Monkey Paw Productions, but oh, I, who's the director? I know it, it's, it's a not woman. him directing, but um, uh, let's get her name. They they all, they they've also got Candyman Two Farewells to the Flesh on Netflix. So Mia DaCosta, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Candyman. Candyman's so good. Say his name five times in the mirror. It's three. It's five. Is it? So it's Bloody Mary three and Candyman five. Yep. Okay. 
Um, they're friends. Got it. Oh yeah. I, I I love I love really like specific horror movie rules. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never done the Bloody Mary thing. Yeah. I I, I just don't need that. No. Oh, do you want to do it after this? Nope. Oh, let's do it. Neve, I already have certain <laughs> complications in life. I just Ooh. think we should just summon someone. Yeah. No, we did that one. Come on. Let's teenage girl it up. Yeah. I love how teenage girls just love trying to summon demons. Light as a feather, <laughs> stiff as a board. Yeah. I was at a fucking party where they did that once and it was working on everybody. And I was just about to do it. And then my taxi came and I had to go. Coward. Yeah. Because yeah. he didn't believe. Anyway, I really wanted to believe, but I, I think I'm also heavy as shit. <laughs> I really like Wishmaster. It sets up a bunch of rules and it really like explores them, which I love about horror movies. I, I'm, I'm not a fan of when a horror movie has like a villain and a setup and they don't go for it, but they really fucking go for it with this. Oh, whole. absolutely! Mm-hmm. And like the guy who plays the Wishmaster, yeah, incredible. Like just the the seething like bravado he brings to that role yeah and just like even one of the first scenes in the movie where like a guy falls out of his skin but then his skeleton jumps out of his skin and starts running around screaming perfect and like i i felt like there were so like you know i'm not sure like the wishmaster is a horror movie with a whole lot to say or anything like that but like the sheer not only the creativity of the deaths but the amount of them, like the amount of like practical effects per like every, it feels like every like eight minutes something fucking insane happens. Yeah, because usually you watch a horror movie in the first hour is nothing. Yeah. But like in this, it's like people are getting turned into doors, trapped in water cages, stone samurais come to life, there's a devil dog, there's just all this fucking crazy, crazy stuff. At one point, there's basically a chest burster. Yeah. And it's, oh, it's so good. Great film. Uh, watch it with your parents. They'd love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Let's move into our strategy talk. Guys, I played a ton of Fire Emblem. Three houses. You've tried to play this game like three times before this? Yeah, this is technically like my third attempt playing this game. Third okay. time's a charm. But I've done it and I reached the time skip. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yep. That's the best part. Yep. Um, I definitely feel like after playing it now, I have a much better idea of why people are so passionate about this game. And I think it really comes down to just, not like just the characters, but how well handled the exchanges between them are. Because I think like the social links are so good and so interesting and somehow like it can take even like two characters that i wouldn't be into that like into like say dorothea and caspar and there i know oh jesus christ i don't like dorothea but people fucking get over it i don't like her i think she's annoying (gasps) she's amazing that's like that's crazy like i actually did a double take and nearly choked on my vino i don't know how because this is like the third time i'm telling you i don't like dorothea she's fucking unreal yeah she's great she can sing for me yeah i'll sing for her Listening together. Look, her backstory, her like character writing, solid as shit. She is a well-rounded, like sensical character who's believable, and I can fully appreciate her as a character. She's just fucking annoying. I'd love to be your friend. I bet you would, Neve. <laughs> um, yeah, you would. Her and Caspar fun as friends they're they're good that's what i really was trying not to like shit on this game immediately (laughs) 
It's her game of the year. You can't shit on it. You're legally not allowed. Mm-hmm. Is it? I can't say. I can't say anything critical about Overwatch ever. Yeah, you can't. It's, can't. it's, it's it, it lost. It's <laughs> Overwatch. Um. So yeah, like there's a lot of stuff like that I liked. I love Hubert. He's just amazing. Um, I kind of fell into a rhythm with the combat where like it was never a challenge but there is something kind of cathartic about just like moving your strongest unit up to the front and just having all the enemies bounce off them uh, that's really fun I, I kind of I'm disappointed they took some of the like um, team mechanics out of I really wish they could share Awakening. A, a square yeah and like I, I miss like do you remember in Awakening when two characters had real high social links one could block the attacks for the others mm-hmm. I really miss stuff like mm. that I, I can't understand why um such a simple but clever mechanic yeah and it's weird because in some ways i feel like the combat in three houses is more complicated than awakening but then it's weird because in some ways i think the simplicity of awakening also kind of gives it depth like the weapon triangle system um but yeah you know like i i kind of got to a point with this where i got it and I hit the time skip and we're going to take down Edelgard and it all kind of, it all, it, it did kind of click. Wait, you're, you're taking going down to, Yeah, why? What? Lady Rhea or Edelgard? Edelgard, the bad guy. <gasps> How the, why are you doing that? What do you mean? Are you, are you playing Blue Lions? <laughs> no. He Black went the Eagles. church route. You God-fearing fool. I feel like <laughs> the quality that I bring to this podcast is that I understand when an iron fist is needed to rule Which and you think I'm going to entrust the future of that fucking country to some fucking teenagers? Would you not play Are the you Catholic fucking insane? Yeah, you went like... You gotta you got play the last Catholic Yeah, group. you get to destroy the church, John. It's what we've always wanted. Deconstruct that shit, rebuild it with a fucking youthful flair. I don't know, flair. the church, church in that universe seems fine. <laughs> <laughs> It's in nothing Irish, wrong there. It's an Irish proxy church, like it's Garrick Mock. Kona Satatu. Did you, go on. Ask your question. Why? <laughs> Just why are you there? I would because I believe that it takes a firm hand to lead Neve. Jesus. I'd walk backwards into fire for Edelgard. Okay, so. I might have not realized that you have to talk to Edelgard like all the fucking time. And I might have missed the prompt to join her rebellion. That's why you gotta have multiple save files. You gotta yeah, you always multiple, have to do that with a JRPG. Yeah. I feel like. I had like 10. Yeah, same. I, I, like, I, I actually you can, you can split miss, it because I wanted to do both. But you can miss Edelgard's prompt by just not talking to her. You can miss the, the one, yeah, not talking to her in the bell tower, but you can, like, it also, like, you know, gives you a question of, like, you, this is it. Like, which it never one do you did that pick? for me. It genuinely really? never did that for me. Because I love Edelgard, like, and I, I wouldn't, like, I, she's, like, one of the coolest characters in that game. I totally, like, yeah, I want to fuck up the church. Of course I want to fuck up the fucking church. <laughs> but it just never did. And now I'm locked into this shitty church route, and that's fucking bullshit. And we never should have given this piece of shit game, game of the year. 
I think it's you and not the game. Yeah, I think that question comes up twice. You know what? It doesn't. It doesn't. You I, can miss I it. I made two save points, like, for this question. But were you talking to Edelgard first? The first one, it's when you're talking to Edelgard, and then there's a second well, one when the you're underground. the second one doesn't trigger unless you talk to her. That's nuts. You might say it's terrible game design from an awful 6 out of 10 game. You know how we say bad game all the time? Bad yeah. game. Bad gamer. Oh, <laughs> fuck! Yeah. So, fuck Fire Emblem. Fuck this piece of shit game. Should never have won any awards. Everyone's insane. John, you're just a casual. You're a filthy casual, and you love the church. <laughs> Neve, I may love the church. <laughs> you're just a little Catholic good boy yeah. and a filthy casual. I can't help it. I try and change, but they beat that shit into me, Neve. More like Father Eye Patch Wolf. <laughs> Oh, I get why people like that game. Um, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm I'm done with Fire Emblem Three Houses. I don't think it's like amazing. I think it's pretty cool. Um, I get other people love it. I think that's fantastic. I'm very happy for everyone who's super pumped about Dimitri. This game is just <laughs> they, they fucking love that game. Yeah, they love this Dimitri. game is never going to resonate with me in the way it resonates with a lot of people. But yeah, fine game. Six out of ten. Oh man, I love Fire Emblem so much. What's going to be our game of the year this year? We have shit opinions. Like, that's well, just it. <laughs> Neve, Neve, no one's arguing that we have shit opinions, okay? It's probably going to be Ori Tree Remake. Hell yeah. It's like, because it's not even like, I feel like, like that good a game, but I, it's probably the best. Yeah, it's the best the, one I've played this year. Best. I feel like if we sat down yeah. and ranked every, like, all the games that came out during the time we did this podcast and then measured it against the games that won Game of the Year. The Game of the Year games, we probably wouldn't make the top 10 for the most part. No, it's an underwhelming year. I'm playing more older games than new games this year. I'm mm-hmm. going to play a new game soon, just not now or anytime soon. I'm preparing for NeveCon 2020. Play my new game. What's your new game? NeveCon 2020. Y'all in? I'd rather not. <laughs> when you take a week off work and play Last of Us 2 and... Will I have the option to side with the church in NeveCon 2020? No. Okay. No option there. Well, I, sign me out, Neve. <laughs> I can't wait to play The Last of Us 2 in 2021. <laughs> oh boy, our fucking opinions just flying about Last of Us 2 already. Ooh. And I'm already so fucking done. And I mean everyone. The people who are saying it's the greatest game ever, shut the fuck up. The people are saying it's a garbage game for miserable people, shut the fuck up. I don't fucking care. Brian, please to play this game. I'm not playing. I'm, I'm, please. I'm not, I'm not in a good mental space right now to play Either this. am I, but I need um, someone but, to play it. It's like part it's, of Neve Comp 2020. It's misery porn. I know. When's it out, Neve? 19th. Yeah, it's out in a week. Oh, Next Friday. I don't want to play this stupid fucking game. I, don't, I know. I, like, I don't want to buy a brand new. It's I don't want to give off. it money. Do, do you know why I don't want to play Last of Us 2? Oh. Because whenever I fucking go out and someone brings up The Last of Us 2 and like, that's my favorite game ever. I don't want to have to be... I don't want to have to be like... I didn't like it. Okay. I just want to be like, oh, really? Tell me about why you like it. And then just kind of nod and then be like, maybe I'll give it a try. The Last of Us one loves the smell of its own farts so much. All three of us don't like it. And and The Last of Us 2 is going to love the smell of its own like rancid shit. It's not going to be an improvement. I'm I'm just, look, I'm hoping against hope. This is like everyone like... Just assholes on the internet are just like, oh, there's gay characters shoved into every nook and cranny of every game. But there isn't. There isn't. And this is the first one with a with like it, uh, it, an it, LGBT protagonist. Triple A yeah. game. So much so that it's been banned in a bunch of regions and they left money on the table. 
And I think I'm going to hate it. And I need you guys to help me through it. No, you can hate it. I'm sure you have enough energy to oh. drag it. Leave, I'll think about it, but I've got to be honest with you. I'm playing some pretty great anime titty games right now. <laughs> I want an anime titty game, but with lesbians. Okay, for a moment there, I was like, every time I try and show you an anime. And then he said it with lesbians. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And like, you mean like real lesbians. Yeah, yeah like yeah. really, really do that representation well. Like, you know, make it nuanced. Can I introduce <laughs> you to a game called Senran Kagura? Calgo is um, pretty. Uh, no, it's not. No, no. no. In fairness, I did hear that there's a scene in Last of Us where two lesbians smoke a spliff and then have sex. That's just like my life. Yeah. <laughs> I've also heard there's a lot of other scenes <laughs> where you kill a dog. It's just like, is this what you want? Finally, it's just like, Neve, here's your lesbian protagonist. I am about two things, the church and murdering dogs. It feels such like, this is a Wishmaster wish. This is my Wishmaster wish. I asked for a lesbian protagonist and there's like, you gotta, you gotta fucking murder a bunch of dogs to get to it. steal someone's PS Vita. Oh, (laughs) okay. Well, we'll talk about that soon enough. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, do you really want to play this game? I fucking don't know. No, yeah, both. I'm like, I'll see. I might get a physical copy so I can return it. I same here. I got a physical copy. Like, just play it and ditch it. It's just like I didn't didn't, didn't like the Last of Us one, and like the criticisms I've heard about Last of Us two make me think like, yeah, I'm I'm not gonna enjoy that. Yep. It seems like only assholes are gonna love it. <laughs> it's so nihilistic i agree it's the people who really imagine that they're like yeah you know what if uh, everything did go to shit i'd totally be able to murder someone no you wouldn't neve okay okay i agree with you i've literally had that exact fucking conversation with you where that was what you said do you remember about six years ago how much you used to talk about like what you would do in a post-apocalypse that was yeah, six but- years ago we grow we evolve now in a post-apocalypse situation I have learned that I get really depressed and I get into cryptocurrencies and I bite food gummies oh, online Jesus. Brian just mute, mute her for a- no like honestly like we, okay, we, we, look, we are no, teetering like, listen, on listen, it listen if someone likes The Last of Us 2 they're not an asshole they just like The Last of Us 2 that's the only point I'm making oh yeah no no it's not for like honestly do, do not take any of our word as gospel like we are just yeah, talking we're about all our, real fucking broken right yeah, now yeah. We, we are talking about our like absolute assholes yeah think of the worst conversation that you've ever had with your friends and now imagine like 10,000 people listening to it that is this podcast do yeah. we have 10,000 people listening to us I don't like to look at the numbers anymore but unfortunately they've gotten so big <laughs> yeah I, it's that Shenmue 2 stretch goal you guys <laughs> please like I, I'm trying to do the whole reverse psychology do, do not <laughs> Brian's like sweating and rubbing his face. I look. I thank you so much. Every look. I, I we, we will get. We're nearly there, boys. I get so lightheaded when I look at some of our statistics. I've stopped. Help. <laughs> look, Brian. We have a, pa- a a platform, and we use it for good. We recommended the baby to people. People may have gone through their entire life not knowing that there was a giant adult baby movie. And people might have gone their whole lives without hearing about it. Shenmue 2, everybody. <laughs> yeah, guys. Shenmue. I'm not saying that the bad guy in Shenmue 2 is a giant baby. I'm not going to confirm or deny that, <laughs> but he might be. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. 
But let's just see how we get on. What the fuck were we talking about? <laughs> Video games. That that was specifically was Fire Emblem Tree Houses. Oh yeah, shit game. Next question. <laughs> uh, Brian, tell us about Wario Land. <laughs> All right, I'll talk about. I'll talk about the Wario Land trilogy. This is on the Game Boy and Game Boy Color. Um, yeah, like. Uh, I, I can't play contemporary games right now. I just, I'm not in the right headspace for it. I have to regress to games from my childhood. I need that escapism. Uh, Wario Land 1, 2, and 3 are near and dear to my heart. Particularly the original. Okay, do you guys have a game where a family member... Okay, I, I, I'll, I'll tell my story first and then tell me if you, if, if, if you have a game like this. Okay. Uh, the original Wario Land game, uh, I was one time shopping with my granny in town. Oh my god, that was a loud noise. That was a gunshot. <laughs> Granny's gone. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she passed away in. <laughs> she passed away in two thousand eight, and I loved her dearly, Neve. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Neve. Um, dealing dealing with a lot of difficult stuff at the moment. Thanks, Neve. Okay, Warrior Wear, you love it. Great. Warrior Land. Precious. Yes. Man. <laughs> you really, really listen, don't you? No, go on, Lamb. I'm gonna, I'm gonna simmer in this for a bit. Stop, Brian. I'm gonna pee. Good, you should fucking pee. I can tell more bits about the baby. <laughs> um, when I was out shopping one time with my granny in the mid '90s, I saw this game called Wario Land, and I didn't know what it was. And I was like, that looks really cool. And then a month later was my birthday, and she gave me Wario Land for my birthday. Oh. And I still have the original cartridge to this day. Fortunately, the car- that, that cartridge is in my desk at work and I can't access my desk at work because we have to work from home because of COVID-19. So I downloaded it on the 3DS for like a fiver. And I'm playing a lot of Game Boy games on my 3DS at the moment. That is my most used console in 2020. Who knew? Wow. Um, so I played through Wario Land and oh my God, this game has aged so well. It's fucking awesome, that game. Yeah, uh, I absolutely, like, I love this game as a kid, and to this day, it's still one of my favorite games ever made, ever, forever and ever. I love it to bits, oh my god. Uh, And I think this is such a smartly made Game Boy game where, like, they've used the limitations of the hardware to its advantage. Because you're playing a platformer on such a small screen with very little real estate around the border of the screen, they've used it where the game isn't based on high speed precision platforming but rather you're playing as a heavy character like Wario and the game is based on a slow paced exploration exploration platforming where you're treasure hunting and treasure collecting and Wario's personality is that he loves to hunt for treasure which to this day is actually kind of part of my personality I actually like treasure hunting myself Brian's a big time he, he loves a bargain. I love finding a deal in a car boot sale or in a second-hand shop or going abroad and finding something that you didn't know existed and you're going to bring it home and you treasure it and you put it up on your shelf. I love that. Because you, you like to buy shit, but you like to have stories attached to it. Absolutely. And Wario totally gets it. I Wario is such a cool video game protagonist. I think it's such a cool thing as well that, like, you know how Mario's the main Nintendo platform mascot, but, like, a lot of the best Nintendo platformers are made out of Mario's villains, like Wario and Donkey Kong. 
And they just, it's because they have so much more personality than Mario, because Mario is a blank canvas, but Wario is, he's a jerk. He's a, he's a greedy treasure hunter, and he's got a nasty smile, and he's rough around the edges, and the music in the game is kind of garbled and dirty and kind of crunchy and munchy, and it just fits that aesthetic. 100%, yeah. And the game really encourages you to, to 100% the game, and that's what I did. I collected every single treasure. I collected 999,999 coins. And when you do that, you complete the game with 100% perfect score and you get your own planet. Because that's what Wario wants. Wario doesn't have a house. If you don't get any treasure, he gets a birdhouse. If you get a bit of treasure, he gets a normal house. If you get all the way up top, you get a castle. But if you really go for it, you get your own planet with Wario's face on it. That's kind of beautiful. It's all, that's all I've ever wanted. Yeah. Um, this is absolutely in my top 10 games forever. Really? It's just... The nostalgia is there, but also it's just like... Even when you go back to it... Because you know the way you have nostalgia for like a piece of media? You go back and you watch it, and you're kind of like, Ooh, this is a bit... This you know, is problematic. I'm, I'm going through Earthbound at the moment, and it's not like problematic. Earthbound 1, 2, or 3? Uh, Mother 2. Mother 2, okay. And... um. Technically, Brian, there's only two Earthbounds while there is three Mothers, because the first Mother was for the NES, and then the second one they localized and called it Earthbound America. Sorry, sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's really fucking cool, but, like, I think what RPGs have become since then, and especially Mother 3, parts of it feel a little hollow, you know, and that's kind of a bit, a little bit disappointing, even though it's still super charming and super fun. Sorry, go on. Then I played Warrior Land 2. Okay. Which is a game I actually never grew up with. I had Wario Land 1 and 3 as a kid, but I never had Wario Land 2. I bought it as an adult when I first started working in animation and you had a steady paycheck. And you were like, I'm going to buy all the games I didn't get to have as a kid. I remember when we started making money, Brian. <laughs> the amount of Game Boy games I, I ordered. I think at one to- point I had a conversation with you where I was like, you're buying a lot of Game Boy games there, buddy. Yeah. I was... I was... That, that, that kid inside me, he needed that release. Sure. Um, I have a I have a, a large amount of Game Boy physical cartridges. It's very impressive. I like the sound they make as you like roll a deck through them. I like that clickety clack of the plastic. Very specific, satisfactory noise. Uh, Wireland Tree is a game that I don't really have a nostalgic thing for, but it's Wario. It's from the same era as it came out in the mid nineties, and this is another kind of treasure hunting platformer, but. This does a really interesting thing where this game has multiple endings and multiple pathways. And like, you know how you play like a David Cage game and you'll beat a chapter and then it'll have all the different routes? Yeah. Or even like mm-hmm. Nier Automata where you have all the different endings. This has kind of got like DNA and blueprints for those kind of games that we see now. Where like... Man, did Nier Automata do anything original? <laughs> <laughs> well... It has that really are, cool yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's got that really cool idea where you like sacrifice your game save. No, wait, that's in the original near. No, sorry, Neve. Yeah. Oh, the the shit at the end where you shoot the credits. No, that's in Smash. Oh fuck. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, Neve. I'm being Ooh. really I'm being really. <laughs> just... It's okay. It's just my favorite game. <laughs> it's okay. Made me cry. <laughs> I, I like, but I do like that kind of game. Like. Near Automata, Center and Kagura, that kind of stuff. Oh, fuck you. 
Okay, so Warrior wear three and then they stop making them. What's going on? <laughs> There's so many Wario Land games and they vary in like different quality, but the ones in the 90s were actually really solid. Wario Land 3 has this thing where it's Wario Land in his castle because this follows the ending of the previous game where Wario has a castle. And Captain Syrup, who's the villain of these games, she's the pirate who wears a bandana and she has a pet genie. Mm-hmm. And her and her crew uh, kick Wario out of his castle. Sorry. They take over his castle and then they fuck up his castle and they steal all his treasure. She's trying to redistribute the wealth because she's a pirate. No, she she just wants the wealth for herself. It's about greedy people. Well, I just want to know what the church has to say about all this. <laughs> They're going to hoard that shit too. Uh, it's just about greedy people fucking each other over. Um, so there's all these different like multiple pathways. And so it's a platformer and it's kind of divided into like five level worlds but they're all kind of based around a theme so there's kind of like you start off in a forest level then there's like a toy factory there's like different kind of castles there's one where you go to atlantis there's one where you're on a pirate ship and you have the option to board the pirate ship and like get to the top and fight captain syrup or you could sink the pirate ship and explore underwater in a completely different narrative that's cool do you usually sink it or do you go to the top so with this, I wanted to collect all the treasures, so I explored every possible narrative in the game. And when you beat the game once, it actually does the thing where it has a timeline and it has all the branching timelines. So it kind of like hints at which levels do what, but you need to figure it out yourself by doing a cause and effect. And one of the most interesting ones is in the very first level of the game, the pirates have stolen all of Wario's treasure and they've set off his alarm clock. And you ha- and the first level is you as Wario have to explore your castle and turn off your alarm. But uh, I found this out through a guide because I never w- would have clicked this myself. But if you play the game and don't touch the controller for a minute, Wario stays asleep and the pirates kick Wario out of his castle. And you have a different storyline in which Wario has to reclaim his castle. That's so cool. That is cool. And this is in like, this is over, this is about 25 years ago. The like... I, I don't know how you convince like a team of developers that's a good idea. And yeah. like, it's so fucking cool. I'm glad they did it. Yeah. But being like, okay, and how do people find this? And how many people are going to discover this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. like 5% of our player base. Yeah. and uh, But like, I just think because it's Wario, you really do feel motivated to 100% the game. Yeah. Then Wario Land 3 is kind of like, it's... It's a Game Boy Color game, um, and it's at the very end of the Game Boy Color's life cycle, and you can tell that they made it as a kind of like one last hurrah for that specific era of Wario. So they reuse a lot of the assets and sprites from the Wario Land game. But what they've done is they've in between the animations, so it's just this like butter smooth, really well made game on a like dinky handheld system that like it looks way better than it should. And it's also aged super well because of that. You're just like, this is really sophisticated for what it is mm. and with that you're Wario Land trapped in a music Wario trapped in a music box and you have a limited amount of levels but the levels have a day and night cycle in which different things happen oh, crazy. during the day to happen during the night and you have four different treasure chests in each level but they strip Wario of his powers at the very beginning of the game and it's kind of done like a Metroidvania where you unlock more abilities and you can go back and do different levels with more powers. But then you also find treasure, but some of the treasure is like a fire hydrant or a stepladder that allows you access to different parts of the level. Or it puts out a fire in the volcano, just things like that. And so they've plotted out a platformer where you have to play it in a linear fashion, but there's a bit of like an A and B route for some of them. But 
in order to play the game, you need to like have a notepad out and like write down, okay, I can go back to this bit, I can go back to that bit. And I think that's really clever as well, that it's a platformer with like a strategy to it. And I think all three of these games are fantastic, but I still think the original Wario is the best. Even though Wario Land 2 and 3 have this really cool mechanic where Wario can't die or fall to his death, but he can get Tom and Jerry'd. What's Tom and Jerry'd? So, like, he can get flattened, okay. and then you're playing as a flattened Wario, oh. but that allows you to get, squeeze into, like, tighter spaces. I get you for sure with the, like, the original's the best, because, like, it kind of sounds like the superiority of that one, but at the same time, like, you really got to respect them for just how far it sounds like they pushed the concept. They, they like, they, they tried something new each time, awesome. and the game is experimental, but it's, like, a successful experiment. Yeah. And it's just, like... Because I, I know it was made by Nintendo Research and Development 1, and that doesn't exist anymore, but I just think they were firing in all cinders, yeah. this specific team. And it's a really small team of people, but they made some fantastic games. Cool. Brian, that sounds great. Um, guys, I played Lonely Mountain Downhill. Yeah. So this is... Neve, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I can't go to the bathroom. So Why fine. can't you wait for the fucking section break? She's just going every... She, are we going to keep recording? I'm going to pause it. Bye. We're just going to... F- you good now, Neve? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I played Lonely Mountain Downhill. Uh, this is a game about being a person <clears throat> on a bicycle and cycling downhill. <laughs> Can't relate. <laughs> I was cycling today. I love cycling. Yeah, I started cycling in a wooded area near us. And what I do is I, um, I I found this mix on YouTube that's like, I thought it was like this kind of vapor wavy remix of the Silent Hill 2 soundtrack. But then I realized it's just the Silent Hill 2 soundtrack slowed down to like 300%. And I realized this because like I was getting real into it. I was like up in the hills like cycling and there wasn't fucking anyone around. And I always think like either I'm going to be murdered or could murder someone up here. Um, and I'm listening to like just this real fucking etheric, weird, slowed down Silent Hill music, and then next thing I hear James's voice go, "Could she really be in this town?" <laughs> UK James. Yep. I mean, Lonely Mountain downhill. Uh, it's it's it, it's fucking cool. It's got this really simple look to it, where everything looks like really low poly. Yeah. It nearly kind of has a kind of sort of paper crafty look to it. That's all chunky. Yeah, mm. real chunky. And um, it's literally you start off at the top of the mountain, you cycle to the bottom. It sounds so like well designed and crunchy, and you can hear like the little spokes on the bike and like every little like hit of dirt and everything. And it's just a really lovely zone out game. And when, like, you know, the restrictions are starting to lift in Ireland and the pandemic's going away, but it was a great outside simulator for me. So much so that I actually started cycling outside, and that's been kind of cool. And I really like this game. It's on Switch. It's, like, 15 bucks. Um, I don't play a ton of it. I'll play it for, like, 20 or 30 minutes, and then I'm done. But for those 20 or 30 minutes, I'm I'm having a great time. Does that, do you guys ever have a game like that where you're like, I don't play a ton of this, but when I play it, I like playing it? Yeah, the One Piece Pirate Warrior games like that. I could just play yeah. half an hour of that. Because, like, to me, there's no rush finishing it. Yeah. I have a job like that, but it makes me... F- a game like that that feels like a job and makes me feel guilty. What is it? Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. It's a gacha game on the mobile. 
Is is that one of those daily login games? Oh or? yeah, I log in every morning. I do all my dailies, and I'm a shard away from getting my Anakin. Are you getting like? Are you? Do you get like a, a dopamine hit? Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes the Star Wars pew pew noises really good. Okay, but yeah. What are you guys dopamine games? Probably mm. Destiny. Uh, Bloodborne, but it's 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 a, it's a real good high. Yeah. Because for a long time it was Binding of Isaac, but now it's becoming Streets of Rage 4. Ooh, I've been playing Streets of Rage okay. 4. We'll get to that. Okay. First, though, I have been super curious about If Found. <coughs> Jesus Christ, fuck, Neve, can you do it? Okay, Brian, pause it there. I just want to shout at Neve for a bit. What the fuck is wrong with you this episode? Get your fucking shit together. We are running a fucking business here, and I am so sick of fucking being pretending to be friends with you assholes. I am so sick of the pricks that listen to this podcast. I am so fucking sick of this shit. I just, Neve, get your fucking shit together. Okay, Brian, you can hit record again. So, Neve, I've been super curious about this little Irish indie title. <laughs> a chew. Uh, <laughs> if found is a visual novel from Irish developer Dreamfeel. That's a great name. I know. Can you feel a dream? I can't believe Dreamfeel wasn't already taken. Like that's I know. so good. Um and this is an emotional journey. Like I felt like I got hit by a truck and it was sad. <laughs> a sad gay truck. <laughs> Um, it is set on Ackle Island in 1993, Ireland. So Ackle Island, island off of Ireland. Off the west coast, yeah. Yep. Fuck yeah. And it is a, about Cassio, a trans girl living her life. And it's like, I, I find it really hard to talk about visual novels because the experience is the story kind of thing. But this is a really interesting game because it's just like so weird and un- and special to see Ireland represented in a video game. Totally. Like down to slang, down to just like just like names and just like location and just the feel of like we were teenagers in late 90s early 2000s Ireland. Like And the world was much smaller then. <laughs> yeah, and it was just like um like and I'm from like rural Ireland specifically and this like game just like captures that so succinctly like just the beauty and horror and i mean real horror (laughs) of being in a rural place in ireland it captures it it captures the isolation it captures the feeling of everyone knowing your business and everything everyone commenting on it it captures the feeling of your parents wanting what's best for you and not understand what you want to do you know yeah yeah and just being like, you know, you know, when a parent is just like, oh, well, you know, Mary's son is a banker kind of thing, you know, and I heard his way. And it's this kind of this, like, you know what they're trying to communicate to you. Yeah, I can remember my mom, like, leaving forums there on the kitchen table and being like, uh, just take a look at these, John. They could, they could be interesting. I looked at it and it was like the Garda entry form. <laughs> oh. It's this specific, like, kind of, like, passive-aggressive thing in Irish countryside where you're punished not through nearly violence, but through isolation or everyone kind of knowing your business and commenting on it in a little way. And this game, like, captures that. And that's not all, obviously, what rural Ireland is. 
because it also captures the beautiful side of it and the unique strangers you meet who really affect you and like you take with you and you take their little words of wisdom and how much they mean to you within a kind of structure that is so maybe suffocating. And it's about this character called Cassio and she is gone to Dublin from Ackle and she's done two college courses and she's coming back home before she does her PhD. And her mom's kind of like, when you get in a job and also is not accepting the fact that Cassio is trans and is just kind of like, you know, I watched this thing on TV about like subcultures and just really questioning it. And if you don't know, in 93, that was the year that homosexuality was decriminalized in Ireland. Fucking hell. So it's like really got all that weight on it. And like, it's you. Okay. Let's get to the how you engage with this game. You engage with it through using an eraser. So it's not like a scratch card, isn't it? Yeah. So you're rubbing across the screen and that will move to the next part of the story. And there's something really beautifully beautiful about that. It's like kind of like you're erasing something and moving on. And there's something sad about that because you're leaving you're erasing and leaving something. Yeah, I get that. And it just works in this way that I wasn't expecting it to. Like I didn't, like I didn't think I would find the act of rubbing something out kind of cathartic and interesting with the gameplay, but I really did. Uh, the artwork is beautiful. It has this really simplistic style that, when it needs to be airy and lonely, it works. But when it needs to be warm and full, it works. Yeah, it's got like a really light line thickness to it yeah like it's very floaty it's sketchy it feels like yeah. it feels like notes in a sketchbook it feels like a diary that you're reading it feels extremely personal but also extremely relatable to anyone who grew up in ireland during that time and just anyone in general like i think it is very much strongly an lgbt game but i think you can relate to this if you mm. ever felt any feeling of isolation and like there's just it's really nice to see all this Irish slang it has a glossary that drops down to show you how to pronounce things correctly and what things mean and just like things that I wouldn't think of that people might understand just like just like TV programs that we would have watched in our childhood and stuff like that and just kind of a cup of tea you know what that kind of means socially even it is kind of weird because like very occasionally I do run into like cultural differences especially with like an American audience and growing up in Ireland I remember a big thing when I did the Sonic video and I had like that backstory in the Sonic video. I included some line about like a 12 year old smoke or 10 year old or 12 year old smoking cigarettes. And a bunch of people in the comments were like, what kind of 12 year old smokes cigarettes? And it's like, let me tell you about early 90s Dublin. You do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember yeah. my first cigarette was given to me when I was eight by my granny and she like says go on stick that down in your pants yeah. there <laughs> you know like, by, the like, time, yeah. by the time I was 14 I was like getting fucking drunk in fields of people the mm. first time I had a drink I was like maybe five and my mom gave it to me because <laughs> it because it because it makes a cute photo like me with a pint you know you know, you know your parents are like ah that's mad crack that's gas mm-hmm. they put a little hat in you and they give you a pint in your hand and you have a sup and it's like there's this like we play video games and they're so like they're American, they're Japanese, you know. Yep. And it's just so nice to make play an Irish one, and you really feel it. Like I didn't think I would, but I really did. Like it really resounded in me. It felt authentic in a way I'm not used to feeling. That's because, class. That's really cool. Yeah. So if you like, like if you what like, did you play this on? Dave? I played it on iPad. It's available on Steam and on like iOS. 
Yeah, it probably works great on iPad. Cause yeah, the face. erasing on it as well. I watched a stream where it, um, the streamer was playing it, um, just as Kazi was playing it on um, Steam. And they, like, a thing I missed from the iOS is you don't get the little eraser icon yeah. on iOS, but you get it on Steam. And I like the eraser icon. I thought there was, there was something kind of solid about that. And did he like it? Loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Um I, like this is a visual novel so its entire story like it's a t- its entire being is a story and I don't want to give it away but I found this a really profound game. I feel like you've I feel like you've sold the game hard enough that you don't need to give anything more about Okay. It. How long is it? 2 hours maybe? 2 and a half, oh, 3? Perfect. That's a great line. Yeah. And, and is 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 the game linear? Like, is there multiple options, or do you just... You see, there's also a little bit of a time travel space aspect to this. Cassio is, like, studying science uh, in school and in in college, and it opens up on, like, a spaceman in a space station. And it gets to a point in it, like, it comes to a head and an emotional peak in the story where it kind of cuts between those two things... But it is mostly linear for a large chunk of it, in, uh, except for the start and the end, where it kind of like pushes these kind of elements into the narrative. But they work completely to tell this like really beautiful story. And I just like the music slaps. Like Michelle was listening to the playlist. So good. Yeah. Like this is amazing music. And like yeah. there's a bit in it where like like you know that like that feeling when you're a teenager and you're all hanging out together in like like a shitty building and it's cold but the warmth of everyone being there like you feel cold oh, yeah, physically totally, totally. but like there's just like this energy to being there cold. yeah college exactly because yeah, like who's, who's gonna pay for the heating you had to yeah. keep partying because otherwise it would get really cold exactly yeah, and, and be, there's yeah. a moment in this where like a band like like is formed and plays a song and the music it just works so well with the writing with so well with the revealing of text through the rubbing and the eraser mechanic that it just like it just punches and it just feels like you're at a gig and it feels like you're at like a little diy college gig Mm. and it works so well there's something so extremely charming and honest and emotional about this game that i was like this is not the genre of game i play this is not the platform i play on and it hit me more than so many other things ever cool and i really like if you're just curious about irish culture go get it it's pride month if you want to support a game a bit with a trans narrative just get it it's just like it's it's worth your time it's a fiver on ios 10 or on steam just totally support Irish developer. Just give it a go. It's just an experience that was so powerful and so strong and just just came together beautifully. Like, it's a beautiful package. It's it, like everyone who worked on it should feel extremely proud. Okay, good stuff. Glad to hear. I will definitely check that out. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing it this year. Yeah. Uh, Brian. Yeah? Dead Space 2. <laughs> Um, what started at the beginning of the year of a Resident Evil chase that feeling action horror uh, quest has has now fallen into the Dead Space trilogy. I'm in the middle of it. Just beat Dead Space two, and this is one of my favorite games uh, from the 360 PS3 generation. Uh, I think it's probably in my like top five of that era. Like, because the game's almost ten years old. I love Dead Space 1, but Dead Space 2 is probably my favorite out of the three. And 
this is another game that's aged really well technically. Um, it feels like... Okay, so it follows from the events of Dead Space 1 where you play as the guy Isaac Clarke. They've done some great changes with him where now he talks. He's a character now. He's a character. And doesn't talk that much, but he's got some great one-liners. And you know what? All things considered, he's a very likable guy. He doesn't say anything specifically obnoxious. He says stuff that is worth saying at that moment in time. And he's he's a very good protagonist to play as in the game. Um, and you play as Isaac Clarke and you're in an insane asylum on a space station uh, on our solar system. I think it's out either, outside either Saturn or Jupiter. But another infestation of the marker plague of everyone turning into necromorphs happens on this space station and you have to fight your way through it and escape that's so depressing that we've like mastered space travel but we need asylum still yes <laughs> but the asylum oh, is we'll fuck it up we'll, but, we'll, like but no question but, but it turns out the asylum is a cover-up for this for the evil space called church oh cool and they and, and so, the pre, so the previous game I'm just saying throughout history we survive so the previous game touches on the unitology religion and the marker and the space cult and it's support I guess it's supposed to be like a mishmash of like Scientology and Catholicism where it's just it's it's their like complete manifestation of everything that they eat sleep and drink it's their like it, it's all of their personality is based on this religion and it's a really really dangerous religion and it's obviously a cult but they really lean into it in this game and it's really interesting yeah because remember in the first game like that stuff came into it all right yeah, but towards like the end it never felt it, it felt <laughs> a bit of it felt a bit pulled out to me like it just didn't really land but it's cool if they take that concept and really like flesh it out yeah so with this game you play as isaac it's all from his perspective it's more or less done as one single camera take as a third person action survival horror um but you're constantly getting like radio calls in from other people who promise that they'll help you out of your situation but really they just want to kidnap you because you've witnessed uh you know extraterrestrial religious phenomena and they want to steal the inside of your brain and kill you and you can't trust when people do that shit. <laughs> and you yeah. can't trust anyone and the game is kind of like the game is built across like 12 chapters but each hour of the game is a different part of the space station that's a different set piece oh that's really cool and i think at the time this i wish is, more games did that yeah and i think at the time this is one of the most expensive games ever made and half the budget was spent on the marketing because I think it had a big marketing where it was like moms hate dead space and they had a oh, bunch of oh, I remember yeah. that and they had a bunch of moms playing the game and because it's extremely over 18s and like it has some really edgy gore in it why would they do that I feel like that's just like like but like okay Neve, I hate saying this and this is such a shit answer but it's also kind of true because we're still talking about it. The game yeah. is... Yeah. But, uh, Seriously, also, yeah. also, the game is published by EA, and mm-hmm. they wanted to make as much money as they could off this. And like, the thing is, I didn't watch any of that stuff because I was already going to buy the game anyway because yeah. I like the original, and I really like action survival horror. Like, survival horror is cool, but like, I don't like it when it's a bit too empty. I like when there's a constant feedback loop of really tight gameplay. Yeah. And the gameplay in the Dead Space games is so fucking good plays so good and like 
This game is only in 720p, but it's aged so nicely. Like, the lighting and rendering and the models. And, like, it's got photorealistic, like, human characters. But, like, and and they do look a bit uncanny. But, like, you don't really see them that much. And they're kind of far away most of the time. It's always from Isaac's perspective. And he's in, like, a head-to-toe uniform. Or, like, a spacesuit, I guess. Uh, an engineer suit. And his suit designs in this game are way better than the first one. The first one had, like, really boring boiler suit designs that looked like like unapproved concept from the Bioshock games oh. whereas this one kind of has like a riot suit and has like has like uh, like medical suits it, like like they're kind of borrowing from the space station so like it kind of fits in with the world and like they use the space station to its full capacity like they have a nursery section where you're fighting children and baby necromorphs you have like the rich part of the of, of, of the space station where everything is spread out more and there's loads of treasure to hunt for and there's lots of side quests there um, and you bits where you're outdoors you bits where um, you bits where you're being chased by an enemy that you kill at the end of the chapter but it's also got these bits where like you're not playing an action game you're playing like a weird puzzle game it's got some puzzle bits it's got this really awful bit in the game and like it still fucks me up to this day where you have to stick a needle in Isaac's eye no that's the bit yep and it turns into a middle game, uh, like a little mini game, and like his eye is moving the entire no. time. And they're shooting it in like in macro, so like yeah. it all like the needle. You see the needle in his eye so clearly, but, and but so it, close. But it's at a really funny angle, so you can't really be on our percent precise because if it was like top down, you'd be able to like line it up just right. But because you're at like a three quarter top view angle. And, like, his pupil keeps darting around, but you need to stick the needle in and extract the data from his from the inside of his brain because the marker is causing him to hallucinate and see his dead girlfriend. Uh, I shit just fucking drives me nuts. One like, time I got uh, knocked out and I had to go see a doctor and one of the tests he had to do was take a scraping from the surface of my eye. Ah, uh, mm. no. And, and, and <laughs> Way the, worse than getting knocked and, out. And the thing about this game is, and I, and I know it was put then into the Lara Croft reboots, the Tomb Raider reboots, is that it has all these like really gory alternative death animations and one of them is of the eye botch. No. And it's so highly rendered and detailed and it's just like, like, like the game is really like well made but it does have this like edgelord aesthetic to it where... They were trying to make headlines. Like, EA wanted Dead Space to be Resident Evil. They wanted to sell... I can't remember There's what so the exact There's so many different beheadings is, in this game. But, like, they once gave, like, their projections for Dead Space 3, and it was something insane, like, 10 million copies. They did that with Tomb Raider as well. Yeah. But it's and so nuts... And those games that came on 2013 went, like, at the end of the life cycle. Yeah. It's so nuts that, like, 360-era, like, like kind of shock, like, death animation made its way back into fucking Shadow of the Tomb Raider in 2017, like, 16. I think that's cycles, you know? Yeah, yeah but it, oh, it was just bad. No one wanted it. It was mm. so shocking. The first time she died in that game, I was just, and she fell on rebar and it was just gross. It was the, just like, why are we still doing this? The bit where she gets impi- impaled on the pike is oh. just... Not no, good. No, it's not. Um, I was... and But, like... The game is definitely aged, and like, if there's enough necromorphs, the game, the frame rate shits itself. But there's a kind of a charm to it where all the necromorphs look like stop motion Ray Harryhausen mount monsters. Oh, where I was kind of like, you know what? That's a pro. It's not. It's there's nothing wrong. Like you know, it, 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 there, 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 there's a silver lining to everything in this game somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also has one of the best uh, game completion unlockables ever. 
where you get a super weapon where it's like the most powerful weapon in the game and it's a foam hand from a sports event like you, you know you know the thing you like yeah. put foam on your finger, hand and you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, foam yeah. finger and it's a foam finger that one shot kills enemies but it doesn't have uh, a line of sight or a projectile but he imaginary says bang and an enemy explodes on 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 cue that's pretty cool <laughs> and so it's really difficult to master but it's the strongest weapon in the game and it's a foam hand and like it's a like a big fucking bright fluorescent green that's really foam fun. hand have you broken out your 360 for this uh i'm playing them on the ps3 just because i have it there instead okay. i have them on 360 and ps3 but i'm gonna play the third one but that was part of ps plus a few years ago so i have it in my basket have so. you played the third one i did and it's not a horror game but it's got way more optional stuff and like that game got criticized and like people didn't like it that much but like it still controls real good and it's well, I think like, a lot of the criticism came from the microtransaction stuff yeah that yeah. was the microtransaction yeah. game yeah. I'm, I'm gonna turn my PS3 offline to play that bit so how does it feel to go back to an older console the DualShock 3 is such a shitty controller so weird isn't it and, and like it has no weight to it and mm-hmm. when like it's the same with the Wii U gamepad anytime you've like pick up a controller that has no weight to it and I think it's important to have like some sort of like even when I pick like, up the 360 controller I'm like what the fuck yeah it just feels like a cheap toy yeah it's so weird like I, I got a PlayStation 2 game in that I've like I used to love Shadow Hearts and I sold it and now for some reason the price of that is inflated like crazy it's like 100 euro to get and I managed to get a cheap copy and I just I want to play it, but every time I think of oh, playing PS2 a PlayStation feels 2 game, so gross. yeah, I'm just like, man, I can't screenshot this. Like, like it yeah. feels so weird. But I, like, I have done like you do get used to it, but okay. the first couple hours is like a pain. Also, okay. the battery life in the DualShock Tree is so bad, and like it'll run out the juice in between turning the console on and off. So the next day, you'd like boot up the console. You need to recharge the controller from scratch. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure if that's because the battery is bad in the system, but, like, it's just, it's chugging. Are you going to do uh, Dead Space 3 then oh, yeah, after absolutely. this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I got to. I, I, I got to see this through. Cool. Guys, I've been playing AI Somin- so- Somnium Files. What's that? I have never heard of this. <laughs> what is this? Okay. What this? So this is a game from Spike Chunsoft, and it's from the director of 999, Virtue's Last Reward, and Zero Time Dilemma. You love these games. Um, I love 999 and Virtue's Last Reward. I think they are they're games that require a lot of patience, but if you are willing to dig into them and get into the final hours of those games, they return to you in spades. I don't think anyone likes Zero Time Dilemma. I like it as a shitty horror movie, but like... Virtue's Last Reward made me think about space-time and string theory and all this other crazy shit. Zero Time Dilemma is like, yeah, I wonder how this guy's gonna die. Um, It's fun, but it's not in the same league. Um, uh, This game came out last year, and I've played maybe six hours of it so far. And this is one of those games where I sit down with it, and I look at my watch and three fucking hours are gone. Um, the kind of idea is that you're a detective in this unit called Abyss who specialize into diving into people's subconscious consciousness and mm. seeing what's happening there and kind of like solving their mental damage. It's the cell. 
I guess I love the cells so much mm-hmm. um, and then like using their testimony to also help solve crime it's the cell okay cool <laughs> That's a um, Jennifer Lopez movie that you should watch. I've actually been meaning to for a and, long time. And Vincent uh, Donfro. Donfro, no? <laughs> Vincent Vaughn. Vaughn. Vaughn? Vince Vaughn. No, no, Vince Vaughn. Vin- Vince Vaughn's also in yeah. it, but the, but, the, but the killer is the guy, Kingpin, from the Netflix Daredevil. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty early on, I like this game a lot. Like, a lot. Um, it has a really cool look to it, and I was like, man, I really, really like how these characters look, and I was wondering what it is, and then I looked it up, and Brian, it's our boy from No More Heroes and Fire Emblem Awakening, same character designer. Fuck yeah. Yeah, and it's just <laughs> really cool. There's a lot of stuff I like about it, and there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about, but I think I'm going to wait till I'm a little further on into it, but what I really just enjoy about it is just the dialogue is really well written and really funny, and there's all these really great jokes in it, like... um you can click on this one guy uh, like he's just like a regular officer and you can ask him what his name is and then you can like have a conversation um, with him about like the murder and find out all about like what's happening and all this kind of stuff and the murder is really intriguing because basically it's this serial killer called the Cyclops Killer and this was a killer that was active six years ago and just stopped but your character has insomnia from six years ago and none of the other police will talk to him about the previous case. And it's like, that's fucking weird. And I was like, okay, I'm obviously, like, it's going to be the revelation that I'm the Cyclops killer. But then one of them, like, started joking that I was the killer. And it's like, oh, what? But that, but anyway. um, It's got a really intriguing feeling of, like, slowly pulling on these threads and un- unraveling a conspiracy. But as I was saying, like, the dialogue is really fun. A lot of the time they really kind of have fun with how like the game gamifies conversations so with that it's that like just regular officer who you like interview and like ask about what this murder is about i like did all that stuff and then like i asked and then it's like the only option left was his name and i'd already asked him his name and so i just clicked on that again he goes uh it's a uh, kagami sir and then the option was left again and i clicked on again he goes uh, my, my my name's my name's kagami um are you all right sir and that option kept appearing and every time I click it he would get more believably just like what the fuck till the point that he's like screaming at you being like my name is Kagami and it was really really funny and then later on the same fucking thing happened again but he starts off like he starts off from the exact like same level of exasperation because he didn't have a proper character model he's just like has a generic police officer model so i asked his name and he goes are, are you serious like are you fucking serious um and it's really funny and there's a lot of stuff like that in it Um in in the game you like have uh you have like a weird like adoptive daughter and she's about 12 years old and her dialogue is so fucking cutting and funny and she just says the most devastating things to you and the detective is like <gasps> but it's it's great um i want to give this game like a proper pitch when i'm like played more of it but like i cannot wait to get back to it it's it's like great it's like a visual novel style game with like investigative sections kind of like the arkham asylum investigation parts mm. yeah what are you playing it on um here's the bummer at least for us this game came out on ps4 and switch and steam last year except in the uk and ireland oh in oh, the dear. uk and ireland 
The game, for whatever reason, did not get a certification and was not released either digitally or physically on Switch and PS4. I've never heard of that happening. Me neither. So what are you playing it on? PC? Uh, Steam, yeah. Steam. I'm playing it on my laptop and it's not like that a resource intensive a game, mm-hmm. but I have had like the odd issue with it. But um, it's fucking cool and like if this, I've had some people really recommend this to me and be like this game goes some places and so I'm already like having an amazing time with it. I think it looks beautiful and the music's cool. The voice acting's phenomenal. It's like, it's just, it's a really good time and I can't wait to play more. Yeah, I'm looking at it here. The art direction looks fucking unreal. Oh, it's awesome. Like, yeah. it's just great. Um, Neve, Streets of Rage 4. Yeah, so I'm playing Streets of Rage 4. Finished it, actually. Had a great time. That is a beautiful looking game. Yep. With a really fun gameplay. I played a lot of Cherry Hunter on your recommendation. Cherry Hunter is the best. Mm-hmm. And I played this game completely co-op with um, our friend Stephanie. Who's Steph players? Um, she went first with Blaze and then switched to Adam and preferred Adam. Adam is so fucking hot in this game. Mm-hmm. Hi, yep. Steph. I hope you're embarrassed. <laughs> And we had a great time playing through it in co-op. I tried to play it single player and I was not into it as much as co-op. This game shines in co-op. Like it was a real fun experience. I'm sure I might have gotten into it single player style, but from going from co-op to single player, it just didn't have the same punch to it. Mm. And I think what you were saying before about the music might have something to do with that because the music to me is just nada. Nothing. There's one or two killer tracks in there. There's one or two mm-hmm. tracks I really like, but and it sucks because I know they got a lot of like guest artists and stuff in, but I just so much of the music is just kind of flat to me, and that's mm-hmm. like the culture of Streets of Rage. Like, yeah, the original Streets of Rage soundtrack is amazing. The original yeah. Streets of Rage was fucking house music coming out of a Genesis, and it was incredible. Mm-hmm. This is a lot of it. Just kind of feels like shitty house music. Like, and I wish. I wish they had more taken, like, the medium that the original music was communicated in and concentrated on that as opposed to just, like, here's some house music. Mm -hmm. But on the positive, this game is gorgeous looking. The backgrounds are gorgeous. Just the environmental design is gorgeous. The characters look great. The character animation is nice. Really fun enemy design. Yeah, the enemy design is fantastic. Everyone is so hot. (laughs) Like, super, super hot. Love Estelle. Told you. Just great. Mwah. Very rude because she's a cop, but at the end she reverts. Yep. So that was pretty good. I drew some fan art of Estelle during the week and I felt very conflicted over it. Um, And like, I like how political it is. Like, like if you play the original Streets of Rage, it has that like really good like end credit where it's just like, you can't trust a cop, so only trust your fists kind yep. of thing. And they kept with that theme. Totally. Yep. Like you're like, you're fighting like, um like, like kind of police chiefs going through it and stuff and you're finding like loads of different people there's a bit where the police chief punches open his own desk and there's a big bribe in there yeah it's like oh no they bought the cops gotta fucking clear out that corruption yep and it's really fun and like Estelle who's a cop then realizes everything's corrupt as well and like they they really go for it and you said as well that it was diverse and it is super diverse like half the roster roster is black characters and it's like really great and like really fantastic and just like the enemy design is good there was so much to like about this game and it was just such a fun co-op experience and really just just loved it as a quick short burst of adrenaline yep 
Um, so my, I feel like, one of the reasons I'm kind of happy to talk about it today is I feel like I maybe undersold this game a little when I talked about it, because I've been playing a lot of it since, and where the game has really become something else for me is actually on the harder difficulties. Mm-hmm. I've been playing through the game on Mania, that's the hardest difficulty, and the design choices of this game fucking shine when it's like on hard, because all of a sudden stuff like... You know the combo counter in it? Yeah. It's like, you know, you can rack up a high combo and then when you get a really high combo, you get a lot of bonus points and those bonus points contribute to you getting an extra life. On the harder difficulties, you have to do that because you you only have one life and there's so many there's so many enemies. And so like whether you're going to be able to beat the boss is going to depend on you getting like a huge combo. But combos are their own risk reward mechanic because you want to keep them going as long as you can to build up like a really big number but if you just stand still and let your combo fade out that's going to cash it in and you'll get all those points but if an enemy hits you during your combo that breaks your combo and you get nothing and so it becomes this really intense game of chance where mm-hmm. you're like going oh i know like if i get I, I know i can go up to this guy and i can combo him this much and keep the combo going but then i know this guy is kind of close next to him and he could break my combo if this animation happens and it becomes this really intense game of like analyzing the situation and crowd controlling and working it and it just means what I'm getting at is there's like a depth to this game that was not apparent to me on normal difficulties and like I agree with you I didn't like it that much when I was playing it like by myself and I felt like there was an intensity to the co-op that I loved but now I nearly prefer playing it by myself because I have each level and each section mapped out in my head of, okay, I need to walk up to this character, I need to punch them three times, then I need to grab them and throw them behind me because the other character is going to be jump kicking me at that point. That kind of gameplay is not for everyone, mm-hmm. but it is like fucking crack to me. So lower difficulty shines in co-op, higher difficulty if you want to be a solo... Yeah, like, I, I would encourage everyone to like do a solo playthrough or not not a solo playthrough just do a playthrough on normal doesn't matter if you're doing Mm -hmm. it in co-op or single that's the tutorial for me and mania is where i've spent i'd say 20 hours at this point and i'm only on level seven estelle on hard it's not a good time (laughs) okay (laughs) um i really i really liked how the um your your heavy your special move takes takes health away from you using it so you have to like manage that meter as well so i love that because in the old streets of rage your health would take your your special moves your big heavy hits would take health away from you in this new one you can combo your health back mm-hmm. so it takes health but it leaves a green mark and well, you like bloodborne get, exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah it's got the bloodborne mechanic Fuck yeah. but if you get hit you lose it all yeah uh, yeah fair yeah yeah and mm-hmm. it's just it's a fucking excellent game how uh, do you feel about the last boss because like it's one of those like giant head with giant arms. Yeah, not okay. Not my favorite. I, I I'd rather fight a dickhead politician. Yeah, I'd I'd, so I'd rather they, fight they a are, dude. They are dickhead politicians, <laughs> yeah, exactly. but they're okay. driving a mech. Yeah, it's okay. like one of the the there's like two, and one of them hops into a mech, so it's just one of those like like giant heads with like arms that come into the screen. I mm. kind of get what they're going for because the last boss of Streets of Rage two. His thing was that he had a gun. <laughs> I, I, I'd rather fight that, a shredded. That is kind of cool. Like, that's I cool thematically. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, I, get you know, that, yeah. I think they were trying to build on that. Mm-hmm. But also, I felt like um, the 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 Y twins. Mm-hmm. I love them. 
I think they're both they're both very attractive. Yeah, Miss White. She's oh my, my number. Because like she's 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 got a cute dress, but you can tell she's fucking built. <laughs> Just saying. Um but yeah, the the I think the only part of the game I honestly found kind of a letdown was that last boss fight. Me too. I really like with that kind of like spider legs in on the um kind of your stage. I always find it hard to know when I'm hitting something and it it doesn't feel because like it's connecting in the same the way. The entire rest of the game letting you fight humanoid characters yeah. and it's weird to go a different direction with that. So, so you're not sure if you're fighting a BG element that's active or not. Yeah. yeah. It feels I spent, like I spent like I, I spent the first half of that fight just trying to figure out how to do damage. Exactly. Same yeah, same yeah. here and then I was just like okay, I when think. I do this like it I'm hitting it for sure and like it took a while to get there but it took half the fight to know what I was doing and then it was over kind of thing. Uh, it should have been like a big muscly politician that calls in like airstrikes or something. Mm-hmm. that's yeah. basically what it used to be yeah like that that's still relevant yeah mm-hmm. but um yeah awesome game would recommend yeah. gorgeous looking game love the 2d assets uh they put a lot of work into it wish they did the cuts a little bit more with cutscenes right yeah like even when you're playing with two characters like they show all four and they'll kind of highlight specific ones i think if you're like playing as two characters they could sh- yeah, just customize it and to those. the yeah. other ones or I'd something. I'd also, also like, like a that. little bit more of those characters, yeah. you know? But, I mean, uh, like, you know, this is a sequel that's been fucking 25 years coming. Mm-hmm. I think it turned out pretty good. Yeah, I had a great time. It's, one, it's been one of my favorite gaming experience this year is playing it with co-op. Totally. And the more I played in, the more I played into Mania, the more this game, like, has been creeping up my, like, game of the year list. Definitely. Guys, what's how you do some quick time events? Sure. Guys. Yeah. New Silent Hill 3 DLC for another game. For Dead by Daylight. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like the hype meter goes up and then slowly down. Yeah. But that was That's like... What I was going for. <laughs> yeah. so, so this is the like killer survival game where like... Yeah. It's, the asymmetrical it's, multiplayer. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's got your monster movie villain and you can be a team against this. Or, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've played a bunch of um, Dead by Daylight. It um, seems cool. It's fun. It's fun if you have a group of friends who play it. And like what was cool about this specific like Silent Hill DLC trailer, it was cool to see Heather like rendered in that way they could have done a big bombastic trailer but it was really subtle it's like her peeking out a door i feel like from a dead by daylight perspective hell yeah this is cool Mm -hmm. from a silent hill perspective oh god put the gun to my fucking head so the monster is pyramid head yep and the hero is heather but it's not heather it's it's her reveal twist reveal name yeah spoilers mary (laughs) Oh, whoa. <laughs> um, like, yeah, sure. I hate being a fucking old crotchety asshole. But, oh, Pyramid Head should only appear in Silent Hill 2. Because whenever I say that, people are like, well, actually, if you look into the lore, sh- shut the fuck up. No, he's, no. he's James's monster. I don't give a shit. He's James's monster, yeah. but as far as iconography goes, it makes sense for Dead by Daylight because it's literally like best of monster yeah, yeah, mash. Sure, it's like sure. it's that's, like that's Michael say, like, Myers. That's why I say know? like yeah. from Dead by Daylight, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. For the perspective of just someone who's 
a thirsty fucking boy for some Silent Hill. It. Uh, here's, uh, here's some scraps. I in, yeah, but like I enjoyed those scraps. Like and like and me and like a lot of people I know are like really big Silent Hill three fans, and it was just like. I, th- I think seeing the Heather render and just seeing Heather rendered like that was just such a big treat in and of itself. And you know what? Like, Heather fucking rules. Mm-hmm. Like, even I did a playthrough of Silent Hill 3 a while ago, and, like, she is such a great character. Like, I love her. So it was cool to see. So if you've, like, like played Silent Hill 3 and you like Heather, like, just check out this trailer just to see her. Like, mm. you know, no one needs to play Dead by Daylight. But, like, it was, it was kind of cool to see it because... Who knows what Silent Hill is or isn't anymore? Yeah, we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, at least it's not completely dead. Um, I mean, that that is the other side of it. It's like, okay, they still remember that this exists, so that's something. But um, look, I just, I just want, I just want James, James Sunderland in PlayStation All Stars. Is that so much to ask? You want James in Konami Crazy Racers? Yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> yeah. Pyramid heads in that, isn't he? He is, yeah. yeah. Is. And so is Count Dracula. Um, and oop. Grey Fox. And going on. <laughs> <laughs> All um, the fucking favorites. We didn't put it on the list, but I just wanted to mention real quick a Devotion is getting a super limited physical release. Oh, I tried to buy this, but it's impossible. Um, yep. I My opinion on Devotion has not changed in Iota. Fucking best horror game I've played in the longest time. Uh, really pulling for Red Candle Games to do a proper release of that, and this gives me hope. This gives me hope that they yeah. will. Yeah, this was a Taiwanese exclusive physical release, and it was gorgeous. It co- like, like just as someone who likes collecting things, it came with like a VHS tape. Don't know what's on it. It came with a little like a book of a children's story. I bet it's the contest. Ooh, there's a company called Limited Run Games. Yeah, they've started doing physical releases because I know the other one. Nicalis, the guy who runs that, is a jerk. Mm-hmm. So, that's, oh yeah, he got in a lot of shit, didn't he? Yeah, he 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 he, he took the money and ran. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like like there 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 is a venue, there is an option mm-hmm. for them. But I guess this is them testing the waters in their own region. Yeah, and like it's a beautiful like collector's edition. Like I feel like this is gonna sell on eBay for crazy money. Yeah. But like, um, hopefully something like this will come to the West. Yeah. Neve, can I ask you to read this next headline, please? <sighs> Street Fighter V, season V, with V, new characters. Is, is, that, what, is, is that what you wanted? Yep. Is V the stand-in for 5 in this case? Yep. The PlayStation 5, everyone. Yep. Street Fighter 5, season 5, with 5 new characters. Yep. Who are the 5 new characters? 555. Five, five. I'm gonna say Makoto, Q, Makoto's- Oro, and some shitty new character. Makoto's still not in the game. Makoto's not in the game. What the fuck? I know! Lads, come on Give now. me my karate friend! Come on now, Capcom. Because, like, Ormik is cool, but Makoto is actually cool. Uh, that, that, why, she she should have been in it years ago. Yeah, it's crazy she's not in it. One of the best Street Fighter characters. She broke the vagina tax. I don't know what that is. <laughs> the vagina tax is the shitty thing in Street Fighter for the longest time, where for whatever reason there was never... Basically, like, 1,000 is, like, the average health, average HP of a Street Fighter character. And for ages, there was no female character who had higher than that, who had higher than, like, 900. I think Makoto, if I'm right, had 1,100. She's a rock. She's the first female character to break that barrier. So she broke the vagina tax in Street Fighter. Good for her. Now, they would compensate by giving, like, female characters more attack and stuff, but it was still stupid. 
She's a well-balanced character. You learn something new every day. Yep. There you go. Makoto's great. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm curious. Brian, why don't you tell us a bit about the wholesome directs and the indie game showcase? Yeah. And you've shut your fucking mouth. This is like, it's is that it? Is 11, that what you have to say I about Street Fighter? I want to fucking go to bed. I'm tired. We still have like an hour left, you know? Yeah, like, oh. John's bedtime is like 10 o'clock, so he's cranky boy. I'm not insulted by that because it's true. Let's call her, Let's call this episode the bedtime babies. <laughs> okay. Because cause it harkens back to the baby as well. Um <laughs> The Wholesome Direct was a really cool uh, idea. It's a 30-minute uh, digital event where they were just talking about indie games from all around the world, small teams, you know. I mean, what more would I have to say about Street Fighter V, Neve? I don't know who the fucking characters are, okay? John, you put it on there. Um, these are small teams, generally about three people. They would introduce the teams, and it's all done over video call, and it was very wholesome, for sure. And very personal and you got to see the faces and the game and all the games are cute and charming and they kind of made a point that okay these games are wholesome and a lot of these games are going to be kind of sweet and innocent but some of them are going to deal with difficult themes and they kind of discussed them a bit so it wasn't all cute and twee which i appreciated there was a bit of uh, a mature edge to it as well and it's half an hour long it's on youtube and i encourage everyone to watch it what platform are these coming to uh it's hard to tell but i get the feeling a lot of them are on steam or itch.io i will come to consoles i will come to consoles eventually a lot of them were kind of like kickstarter games from a couple years ago that are finally kind of in the final phase of development some of them are out later this year some are out in the coming weeks some of them are out question mark uh but i think it was a nice collaboration of different people around the world that are probably supporting each other. They probably only have like a couple hundred followers, but it was nice to just see them collaborate and have a platform. Yeah, I really have been meaning to check that out. Uh, it's a super cool idea. I might loot drop it as a collective thing because I've done that the last couple episodes where it's kind of like, here's one from all of us or here's kind of like a general loot drop. So I okay, might have that. Yeah, let's do it. Because I, I do think it got missed by some of the bigger things and I think it's worth your time now just to check it out. I know we have a lot of soft people who enjoy this podcast. I'm sure they'd appreciate it. Yeah, it's full of marshmallowy goodness. Yeah, cool. The Dark Pictures Anthology Little Hope Delayed from Summer to Fall 2020. That's it in a nutshell. They put out a statement saying that COVID-19 and working from home has delayed things and their health of their employees is paramount and thus the delay. Yeah, it certainly has and that's Mm -hmm. a reasonable, fair thing to happen. What do you guys want from this? Uh, to be better than the last one. <laughs> Man and Madan did not light a fire under me. Yeah. Because I think what I don't need is another, like, here's an interactive horror movie. Like, but that's the horror. I know, I know. But, like, I think they, like, I did, like, I think, and I think that's what was cool about Until Dawn. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think I need that again. I'd want the game to be, like, interesting from the first minute and not have fucking 30 minutes of busy work. I think, like, put it out in October, around Halloween, yep. get people spooky, they're ready for it, um, and just, I don't know, our good story. A good story with less cliched characters built around a celebrity appearance, because that's what Man and Madan was. Who is the celebrity of Man and Madan? Uh, one of those little gnomes from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Which one? I don't know. Legolas. Legolas. No, yeah. like with, with the Hobbit. <laughs> the sexiest Strider. gnome. Yeah, what? it was one of the Hobbits. Elijah Wood? With like, man. Because, No, it was not Elijah Wood. Do you think they get Elijah Wood? It was he one loves of the worst horror. One. And he yeah, loves but indie. no, no, this is like the worst, like a, like a lesser one. <laughs> I don't know who this what, is. What, Mary or Pippin? Wait, um, Sean Ashmore. 
Oh, the fuck that is. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I, yeah, see, a lesser uh, a lesser hobbit. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm sure if I saw a photo, I'd be like, ah, yeah, yeah, that little fella. It's but, oh it's, my god, no, he's not even a hobbit. He's Iceman and X-Men. Oh, that dude. Yeah. From the 2000s? Yeah. The guy what? who joined Magneto's cause off camera because yeah. they couldn't write it. Yeah. That's the worst part of X-Men 2. I'm sure his... His ability to affect that was limited. <laughs> um, well, yeah, maybe less Sean Ashmore and more good writing. Okay. We'll let them know. Uh... So it's been delayed. They've, they've listened to this podcast. They're I'm gonna... sorry. Sean Ashmore looks like he could have been in Hobbit. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people could look like they'd Neve, be a You know what? We're going to take your beef with Sean Ashmore off air. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll sit down. We'll figure out, we'll figure out a plan and we'll just figure out to do what the whole, what, what, what to do about the whole Sean Ashmore situation. He listens to this okay. podcast. He's going to want to oh, contact fuck, you directly. He? He's going to be, he's very upset. Who else listens to this podcast? Uh, Kanye. Kanye. Are you serious? Yep. Yeah. Kanye, Still. Kanye only listens to one podcast and it's that's by the boss. <laughs> okay. Well, He's, he's going to be very disappointed when he finds out. Uh, a lot of the cast from The Office listen to the podcast. Really? Mm-hmm. Not the ones you think. Okay. What about, like, what about, like, any wrestlers? <laughs> Who is your least favorite wrestler? I love all wrestlers. Just the beauty, the majesty. Even when I hate them, just means they're doing a good job. Daniel Bryan listens to the podcast. I love Daniel Bryan. Because he searched his own name and my name came up because it's Brian Manawai and he was like, alright. Oh, you know who I fucking hate? Um, shit. English lad in New Japan. Everyone thinks he's great, but he's not. The guy we saw? Yes. Yeah, he, he can't fucking hold a mic or get it. He's always botching moves, isn't he? No, no, he's not. He's not. He's just an asshole. Okay. Um, God, his wrestling's good, Brian. He, he's just okay. a dick. He, he wears like a Spider-Man suit because he jumps around a lot, and he does a bunch of stupid spots. And he's a shit storyteller. And I just don't think he's very good, but everyone loves him because he does fancy, flashy moves. Anyway, he's listening to his podcast and he's screaming his own name, and he knows who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, if I ever meet him, I can be like, "Bro, I didn't mean you." I <laughs> <laughs> met the other guy. Okay, uh, the PlayStation 5, everyone. The PlayStation 5, everyone. There was a digital event. It was like an hour and 50 minutes long. That's a good length of time. Mm-hmm. First of all, before we get into anything, I, I was really impressed with this. This was uh, it, like, it, like they kind of had something for everyone. I feel like on a personal level, there's stuff that I really wanted that I didn't get. But looking at this as like the announcement of a new console, they hit it out of the park. Yeah, yeah totally. I, I had a great time with this. I was really, I was so pumped that I couldn't sleep afterwards. This, <laughs> this was very good marketing. It was, they, they really knew what they were doing and they did it well. I really appreciated how they did this thing where they'd show their bullshit concept trailer and then they'd be like, okay, and here's what the game actually looks like. Yeah. I, that was cool. Here's your cinematic, and here's your like third person. Yeah, here's what you can show your uncle, yeah. and here's what it's actually going to be like. Yeah, so it's we don't need to talk about everything, but there was 26 games and one and a half consoles because there's a disc and discless version of the PlayStation Five. Yeah, do you guys do you guys want to talk about the console before we talk about the games? Even yeah. though that was do- done yeah. in the order. So the first thing I thought when I saw it was air purifier. Yeah, totally. I love it. 
Like, I genuinely love this design. I think it's so cool that it's an organic shape to contrast yeah. the, the hard corners of the Xbox Series X. If Xbox is going the absolute, like, this is where we lead with, like, straight lines and they give us literally a rectangle, this is going the opposite end of that. And it's just like, no, the future has curves. And it looks like um, a sandwich, but with curves. <laughs> it looks like melted ice cream. Yeah, it, like it, it is like you cannot put a disc case on this without it sliding off. It is a wiped curve. It is piece aggressively of against stacking. Yeah, yeah, it looks like your idea of the future from 2002. But it, it also does look like an object in a household. Yeah. Because of like Dyson objects and. Uh, yeah, like it, it, it fits into an aesthetic that's already been established. I like how unique it looks. Like, I feel like consoles have been very standardized. Standard. They, they, yeah, just like, a boring like, black I, I box. I don't love the design of this, but they went for it. Yeah. And I respect that. Like, that's what, like, like, Okay, like part of me doesn't like this, but the other part of me really respects and loves the idea that we have already, before the consoles are even in our homes, we have already icon of, like have an icon for this generation. And that is this crazy design. It's this white and blue lighted box that's fucking huge, by the way. It looks really big. If you look um, at the disc tray size, yeah. This looks tall as shit. I like. checked the Eurogamer article where they were looking at the USBs and the disk drive and then putting it beside like the other tallest console, which I think is like the PS3. It's taller than the PS3. So it's not going to fit vertically in a lot of people's TV stands. It's mm -hmm. going to have to stand out in the open in a living room. Yep. You can place it horizontally as well, but this thing is long. But like, I like how we are, we have already a denotion for this generation and it's this crazy design. And I bet you once the slim comes around, cause it will in like two, three years after this launch. There will be so many will, variations in color Yeah, they're gonna like change this so much and make it look way more normal. Mm. But I kind of like how crazy this looks just for the fucking fun yeah, of it. Yeah, I don't hate it. You know, I think, I think I'm gonna need to sit with it for a while, but um, for me, the controller is more important than anything. And like, it, it looks, I, I, I can't wait to hold that controller. I like the look of the controller. It took me a while, but I got there and I was like, this looks cool. This looks <laughs> like a weird future controller. They did a very good job of visualizing the haptic feedback with that like sand grain, like kind of shutter effect that they did. Hmm. There's someone outside, don't mind them. Shush, shush. We're talking about video games. We're talking about video games. Okay, do you want to talk about some of the games that kind of caught yeah. our attention? Yep. For like overall a great press conference, I thought a remaster of GTA V was a really weird way to start it. This weird is, intro. This is a seven-year-old game, and this is its third wind because it it came out two generations ago at this point. Yep. Um, uh, it's got a huge online community, but like, sure, there you go. You now I get that, that they're over. like, we're gonna make a lot more money off this, and they will, but no one cares about that but them, and just a very strange choice mm -hmm. to kick off the. That, that that had me like, oh, I don't know if this will be good. I think it would have been more impactful if they were like, we're porting like like Red Dead Redemption 2 to PS5 yep. and it'll look great and the online is there. But it, yeah, it felt really weird that they were showcasing GTA 5 online. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Spider-Man uh, 2, Miles Morales. So there's some controversy about this two. that came out no. today. Oh, it's, it's a spin-off, yeah. It's, no, it's a remake. It's a remaster of the first Spider-Man game. No, they clarified that again afterwards. 
So that was the Sony exec who said that, but he was actually wrong and Insomniac came up and cleared it up. This is going to be like what on um, Uncharted Lost Legacy are um in like uh, yeah. was. Yeah, this is like game. a spin-off oh. side story using the Okay. That's much world better. of PS4 Spider-Man. So okay. this isn't built up from the ground with PS5 architecture. Well, it's, it's got a time using... skip because it's an older Miles. Yeah, it's well, no, that's the Miles from the game. He's got a different haircut and stuff. Oh, he can cut his hair, but like this is going to be using um, the PS4 kind of like the 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 assets from that and they're going to be making a Miles Morales game from that before Spider-Man 2. Do you think this will come out in both systems then? Mm, who knows? Maybe not. This is a launch Maybe. game anyway because it said holiday 2020. Like, like they still so haven't given a release date of price. You guys were rather outspoken. Like I did, a, I streamed this event, and even during like <laughs> even during this bit, people started in this in chat started talking about you two and how much you hate these games. Yeah, I don't like Spider Man twenty eighteen. Man, I can mm-hmm. only fucking imagine if I had uploaded the unedited version of you two tearing that game apart because you guys went on for like fifteen minutes, no. and I was like, this is gonna make people so mad. I went on play. about it on on Twitter again, but like <laughs> I saw that and I was like, Jesus, I can't help myself. I don't think it's very good um it's aged real badly now yeah it has aged super badly and so has the dlc um but i hope they do miles justice i think miles is a great character has who has garnered a lot of love from um miles fucking rules into the spider-verse he's and and he's a fairly young character he only like came into comics in like 2011 like Mm -hmm. he's not even 10 years old yeah like i think he's like one of just the like breakout heroes of like the post-millennium because there's not a lot of them he's such a cool kid yeah and I really liked in it like you see how he moves and it really looks like they took cues from Into the Spider-Verse where he does that like leg flip like Mm. his animation is very specific to Miles he moves differently than Peter and I think that's a nice animation quirk to him I really hope they have his abilities with the camouflage and the venom kind of like numbness thing he does Mm -hmm. that'd be cool Um, Gran Turismo 7 does anyone care? No. Next. No. Um, Ratchet and Clank, A Rift Apart. Does anyone care? Well, I want to say a little bit about Ratchet and Clank. I'm happy to see that um, platformers are back in a big way and showcase it. I also thought that the Ratchet and Clank demo that they previewed kind of showed the PS5 architecture off in a way that other games maybe didn't. Yeah, it really like, showed like crowds and world building yeah. to its full effect. Yeah, no, there, were, there was absolutely shit in that trailer where I was like, you could not do this on yeah, the, there's, there's so the much extra detail. gameplay where you're moving through time, I don't know how that's going to integrate itself into gameplay, but there was multiple characters, so, there was shit happening in the background. I think what it's going to be is that you control Ratchet and Clank at once, but Clank is going to be in the past, Ratchet's going to be in the future, and they have to do stuff to interact with mm-hmm. each other's worlds. But and like, there's stuff like that that exists, but they could make it smooth in a way that would completely change up the feeling of that and look cool. I don't have... I'm, a, I'm, I'm zero somewhat Ratchet and Clank. Nothing for them, nothing against them, but I thought this looked cool. Yeah, it yeah. Did. And, 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 and they said with this one that it's specifically a PlayStation 5 game. Yeah. It's built from the ground up. Good. And it looks 5. like it. It looked yeah. like it. Yeah. That's what yeah. I want. Like I Because I, it's really I, hard to tell what's like a cross-platform game. I hate game. the hard to smart delivery stuff. Like I get that at a certain point it's good value for consumers and it's pro-consumer and that's great. But if, I want, if I'm buying a new console, show me shit we can't do now because otherwise what's the fucking point? Yeah, especially at the price these things are going to yeah. be. Like they didn't announce a price at this but you kind of want to... didn't announce a price. Probably 500 euro. 
euro. Makes mm. me feel like it could be north of 500 euro. Yeah. Because the PS4 was 400 euro at launch. Mm-hmm. 500 minimum, I think. Yeah. yeah. It's physically big as well. If they do like 450 even, I'd be like, that's cool. But 500 is a lot. Yeah. But anyway, um, this looks cool. Um, I was li- like, I like how that girl appeared. And immediately <laughs> everyone was just like, oh, rule 34. And then I went on to Twitter like after the stream. Oh, yeah. Already shit. Jesus Christ. She, she, she's got a robot arm, though, as well. It's cool. Guys, That's give it a That's the break. sexiest thing a woman can have. Yeah. Bunny from the Sonic Adventure. Bunny cartoon. Robot knows what she's about. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's cool. cool. A sex symbol. Neve, what do you think? I thought she was cool looking, but... I'm talking about Bunny Rabbit from Sonic. Oh, I want to fuck her. <laughs> Project Athia, Athia from Square Enix and Luminous Productions. Uh, this looked cool. I really liked it. I don't know if this is a real video game. Project Athia or Athia is like its working title, but it looked So this cool. did look cool. What I would say is this absolutely has the feeling of a game we will never hear from again. It feels like deep down, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it feels totally. like you see this amazing, like, I, like I, yeah, I, I do not trust trailer. this game. This is some, that, that is a nice animated short trailer that they made. <laughs> Stray. But it's like, uh, before we go on okay. to that, it's kind of like with, with like Tomb Raider and stuff, Square Enix obviously are uh, pr- like... They're, they're good at publishing. They published that. It's like, it kind of had his Tomb Raider vibe. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what um, Crystal Dynamics do after this um, Avengers game. That Where was that? Who knows? That, 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 oh, yeah. The yeah. Avengers games are to come out on the PS4 by the end of the year. That, that's meant to be the last like PS4. Oh, I could game. see mm-hmm. like I could see that. like If that's the case, I could see that not going down well. Because yeah. apparently that was in a pretty sorry state when people played it. But that was like a year ago. Maybe it's going to be okay, but we'll mm. see. Um, Stray. This Stray. is this is rest in peace, humans. There's robots. Post-apocalyptic. You play. I as thought a, this was cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. you play yep. as a cat with a gap with with, 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 with a backpack. There and so, are not unsold. enough slash any games where you play as cats. I yep. thought the cat was very good. Very good cat. I was into the whole art style. I liked. Mm-hmm. I liked the street wear of the robots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was the moment where I was just like, oh, there's very there's a huge diversity in like artistic design going on with these trailers and they kept it going from this point on and it was really a nice looking trailer and like the just the animation influence throughout this entire showcase was very strong a lot of them felt like annecy short films or like like a french animator sketchbook because there's a couple of games in this where i'm just kind of like that is it's very european animation Mm -hmm. based returnal this, what was that? Was this, this was the space woman oh. with the two different colored eyes. <laughs> I, I instantly thought, thought of Moon of Madness when I saw this. I thought this looked fucking cool. I was excited for this. It, it, it kind of reminded me of Edge Tomorrow, where it's got the like die repeat aspect to yeah. it. Returnal, I assume it's supposed to be a play on Eternal, but I have a fear that it might also rhyme with Maternal, and maybe there oh, is... Oh, no! <laughs> because it has a female character, maybe it's going to be like the guilt of her unborn child. But I I wouldn't say you're wrong with that because when you get a space narrative film, they put a woman in it, and it's just like she wouldn't have She's a baby. Pregnant <laughs> yeah. with an alien. Like okay, it worked in Alien, but that was a very long time ago, and we need to do a different game now. Please. Okay, that aside, I thought this game looked fucking cool, and like the idea yeah, that cool. you are exploring this fucked up alien planet on a kind of death loop cycle. That there's kind of like this. Rogue, you're doing like, like a suicide run each time. That sounds 
awesome. Like that sounds so good. And like I I thought some of the creatures they showed were real good and spooky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they 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 actually did look otherworldly. Yeah. They did not look like they belonged to planet. That Earth. giant eye yeah. monster thing, that looked horrifying. Like I th- I thought this looked great. Yeah. Sackboy, a big adventure, which is a little big planet spin-off. I thought putting Sackboy after showing Ratchet and Clank off didn't really work in the sense so, that it wasn't. No. As, you know the way there's that moment in you know? Ratchet and Clank where they're falling through universes and you're like, mm-hmm. oh fuck, okay. I was constantly waiting for the swerve ball with Sackboy. I was constantly waiting for like, okay, but what's the thing? Like, what? Okay, it's a 3D platformer. That's cool. But like, what's the? Why do I care about this? Yeah. Never came. It this, looked like a PS3 game to yeah, me. It did. Um, th- this game isn't made by Media Molecule because they've just finished up on Dreams. There's some little big planet games that have not been made by the core studio, and this is one of them. And like it does a thing where it's not a two D side scrolling platform; it's like a three quarter higher angle. And like I do like that a lot. Yeah, like, I so, love so, that in Super Mario World three D. Yeah, exactly. Um, it definitely feels like a game from a few years ago that's coming out now. If I was the person who edited this reel, I would have put it before Ratchet and Clank because it felt like a natural build to it, and yeah, it felt like sure. a drop afterwards. Yeah, this yeah this was definitely a lull in the presentation. Then there was Destruction All Stars, which is a cross between Fortnite and Rocket League. I thought this looked cool. This is cosplay the game. Yeah. This looked cool, but I was also, I will never play that. <laughs> no. I'll see. I'll see how much you can fuck people up in it. They had a bunch of characters I recognized from Overwatch as unoriginal new characters. <laughs> I saw the Lucio. I saw the Diva. They were all there. Oh, totally. Yep. He even ran on the wall. Like, it, it was all there. Uh, we had uh, Kena, Bridge of the Spirits. This is the game that was like... This looks like an Annecy yes, short film. Yes, 100%. This is a very French animation because mm-hmm. it was the one where it's like inspired by Princess Mononoke, but also Wakfu. Was this the one with the the little like black creatures? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. cute fuzzy okay. black guys okay. with the big. Fuck this game. I thought it was super generic looking. Yeah, yeah. Video game, the video game. Yeah. And this is like, okay, we're all animators. We've seen these little mascot-like characters before. Like, they're just in everything. This is us so, at our yeah, like, yeah. top cynical. I was, yeah. I was streaming this, and like I could tell people were into it, but I was going like, uh. But now that I've sat with it for a while, this does not need to exist. It looks great, yeah. but like... Uh, oh, it, it looks nice, but yeah, it would wanna. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the environments and some of the monster designs, like it kicked it, but those little like those little characters just turned Even me off the monster away. designs, like the kind of... There's that monster with, like, the mm-hmm. kind of wooden-looking skull and the lights shining out. Like, fuck off. I think when you're in animation for so long, there's a real received design where you can see the DNA so clearly. Yeah. And it's just like... Ugh. Yeah. This but is this concept is, art the game. Yeah, exactly. But we are three animators talking about this to other people. It might just... Like, that might have felt fresh. But to me, it felt very stale. Yeah. Then there's Goodbye Volcano High, which was the 2D animated game. This this game definitely stood out among the others. For sure. Um, I mm-hmm. would have loved to know what kind of game it is. Yeah. I feel like this might be a like visual novel style game. And I thought the artwork was really beautiful. Like this yeah, was some was. really nice 2D animation that like was really surprising to see in a PS5 launch event. Like it's a yeah, real yeah. indie game that I they're really, kind I, of putting I, I, I forward. I think overall, I think it was cool that there was a lot of games of varying art direction. It yeah. wasn't all photorealistic yeah, it, yeah. 3D games. I feel like so totally. much, so much with these like announcements, you get like, 
did you see the particles? Yeah. And it's like, there was, this was just so many different art styles and so beautiful. And there's a fear with that, especially after PS4, where it really feels like, like photorealism is the goal. Yeah, and I'm so glad that mm-hmm. it's not that. Because no, even not. like the realistic games were pretty fucking out there. Mm-hmm. But um, how, So how did you guys feel about this one? Did you get a good vibe from it? I thought the vibe was unique and interesting and those designs were really cute. Like, I like dinosaur people. They made those Yeah, they, they were cute. real... Yeah, they're all like, pterodactyl They were really dudes. ugly and cute. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what it is, but, like, I'm really happy that it was there. At the start of this game, at the start of the trailer, I was like, oh, I'm pretty fucking into this. By the end of it, I was starting to get... There's a fine line you walk with this kind of stuff mm-hmm. where, like, there's a very established genre of, like teen coming of age that we've talked about recently um, like fucking Perks of Being a people love that movie <laughs> they really people do people fucking came after me for not liking that movie <laughs> it was so funny people ignored your Final Fantasy 7 rant I was racing <laughs> for like the 10 minute just destructive rant of Final Fantasy 7 no one was upset People just descended on me for Perks of a Wallflower. How dare you? Look, people have bad taste. You know what? Like, it's it's like, I could see, again, <laughs> if I was at a particular point in my life, I could absolutely see the value of that movie. It just did not click with me as a fucking cynical, broken, 26-year-old man. Uh, Oddworld Soulstorm. It's a new Oddworld game in the world of Oddworlds. Um, this was one of those things where like Abe is such an iconic character that it was nice to see him will I buy this will I play this I thought thought this looked kind of shit I I thought it looked cool I I thought the gameplay looked rough it looked well like it looked really awful in that you're like sacrificing stuff and it's like the machine is bad you gotta fight the machine I thought it just looked unpolished Really? Yeah. I thought the environments kind of looked big and spacey, but it kept its kind of like 2D, 3D kind of... I don't know. It's, it's early on. Maybe it's too yeah. early to say, but... But again, it's not something I would play either. Um, no, like I, I I played a bit of the remake of the original game that came on PS4. I think it's cool that Sony are leaning into the whole nostalgia thing. Because like game companies don't really do that, or like like, like We're Nintendo in, like, does remake the hell right no, now. No, but like, but you, you know how they open it with the tunnel, and they were like, "Look at all our history of our games," and mm-hmm. it was cool to kind of see them remember old franchises like that. And so it's cool that there's a new Oddworld game. I thought it was cool that there was a bit at the end where he was like cutting the ties on the like string that like keeps his mouth closed. Because mm-hmm. yeah. that's always bothered me, and it, I'm glad he's gonna finally speak. He's gonna say something. He's gonna fucking say it. He's gonna fucking tell us how to think. Yeah. Good man. Eh? What do you He's think gonna... his first words are? Gotta go fast. Follow me. <laughs> I love ass. <laughs> PlayStation 6. <laughs> You're like, whoa! It's the last game for the PS5. Last game for the PS5. Ghostwire Tokyo. Presented by Shinji Mikami This himself. was insane. I never expected this to be first person. I, I spent the entire trailer getting over the fact that it was first person. Yeah, I'm still mm-hmm. thinking about that. Like the, the original like trailer they showed this had such a moody, like yeah. low, slow. And they were like, uncover I the secrets of Tokyo. to be cutting ghosts up with a samurai sword. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the hand animations were nice. Yeah, it's yeah. like a Naruto first-person yeah, shooter. Yeah, he's doing like his it, chakra it, spells. A lot of that stuff looked cool. There was stuff in the trailer, I would say I'm a little less hyped on it now than I was. Same. Slenderman. Yeah, Slenderman's in the game. Like, oh, that feels that feels very five years ago. It, it didn't feel like it's announcement trailer. It felt... I don't know. It. I, I went from being hyped for this to being like, this is not for me. 
I, I, I think aesthetically it looks cool, but it kind of feels like it looks like Killer Seven, but on a browser in 2020. I'm still like I'm, I'm still I'm still curious. Like they still they still have my attention with this, you know. And I want this to be great. Um, yeah, it's just I really like the colors and the art direction. Mm. There's still some of the enemy designs were a bit kind of yeah gooey. yeah. There were some really cool yokai designs and then some not cool designs, yeah. and you're just like, okay, what's happening here? Yeah, um, I, I I really wish there was more neon fluorescent Shibuya I, stuff going on. I feel like on. there's a confidence about that trailer that feels a bit diminished from the original. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember in the original, it was just like, what the fuck are we seeing? This is crazy. Mm -hmm. And with this one, it's like, oh, it's it's a it's a first person video game. It's now something that I would, I need to see review scores before I would pick it up. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious, like, I, I, I want to like this. Then there's Jet, The Far Shore, which is a, it's made by Super Brothers, who made a game on iOS. Sword and Sorcery. Sorcery, which, which, which was a cool artistic game that came out almost 10 years ago yeah. on the iPhone and I, original iPad. And they're making a new game. And I don't know how much of this has been in development that it's a bit too navel-gazy. But I... I'd, oh, oh, this was the space game. This looked really visually interesting after all the brightness and all the bright colors. It was really muted colors, um, sepia, like... Yeah. Uh, color palette, but like away from this trailer, I don't know what type of game this is. I no, don't know nothing. what type of gameplay this is. Honestly, I had no forgotten about it until we talked about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it, it's a motion graphics teaser. Yeah. Uh, there's Godfall, which we knew about already because that was teased a couple months ago. I think it, I think it leaked or something. Yeah, it leaked. Mm -hmm. I, I think it was, it, this is like the first next gen game that that was kind of like yeah. confirmed. Um. People in my chat were not into this. I thought this looked cool. This, to me, looks like an online this, Destiny style game that I will not play because I have Destiny. To me, this looked like the most Gearbox looking thing yeah. ever. Especially the music. Gearbox? And, Gearbox yeah, it's are a making Gearbox Godfall. game. This yeah, look, but like, when I think of Gearbox, I think Borderlands. Yeah, this reminded me of Borderlands. Like, the trailer really? was really... This, this looked way more like Dark Souls than Borderlands to me. I, it, to me, it looked like Dark Souls before, but this trailer made me think of Borderlands. This like the armor design, I think, is really nice. But this looks like a game where their goal is to make an online service, and that's the goal. If that's what this is, I'm not interested. I think it's 100 percent an online service. Yeah. yeah. Solar Ash is this Solar Ash Kingdom? It's Solar Ash uh, from the makers of Heart Machine, okay. who did Hyperlight. Uh, Hyperlight Drifter, which this is the game I was most excited about. I'm so cool. They're making a new game, and they're they're doing a 3D. I'm kind of the opposite. Yeah. I, every time I see this game, my excitement just kind of plummets. I feel like Hyperlight Drifter is this beautiful fucking crazy looking game. I feel like Solar Ash looks like everything else. Like to me, it, 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 I, I, I thought of that game Rhyme where it kind of feels like a HD version of a GameCube game. I think Rhyme looks nicer than this. Rhyme is amazing. Rhyme is such an underrated game, but like this, this kind of reminds me of the thing where you're just kind of in this forgotten world, which is definitely like a thing What'd they do. What do you think, Vinny? Um, I like I haven't played Hyper Light Drifter. I thought the colors looked nice and stuff, but I it gave me nothing. Like I don't know what this game is. Yeah, and like at this point, I really would have liked more because there's every chance that we mm. see the gameplay of this, and it's like, oh, that's what we're fucking yeah. doing. I like the gameplay because the character moved really, really fast. But there wasn't had, any. It, it, it no, it had like a little bit where like the character is like getting ready to go through like a valley, like like a like a like like it looked like a skate park kind of world, 
where yeah. they're kind of like mm. I, 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 that might not been a big gameplay i thought like 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 you know in the sense that like was anodyne 2d yeah and then the and next anodyne was 3d the, yeah 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 Switches i thought to, it like, was like it was kind of cool that there was something like because it feels very the dna of hyper like drifter is there and it's design yeah it's got the same aesthetic like and it's the color the- palette and stuff and i was just like it'll be interesting to see what this is from the jump to to the to treaty for this studio sure, yeah i, I th- don't know if it'll work but like I think, it'll be interesting i think so far everything i've seen of it you're losing a lot in translation because like you know hyper like drifter it was visually very dense. Like there was a lot going on. Like just even in how enemies moved and the architecture and the plant life, it was all really beautifully rendered. I don't get any of that from this, but like, I think like Hyperlight Drifter, one of my favorite games this generation. I'd love to be wrong about all this stuff. I'm just, I'm really looking for a reason to get excited about Solar Ash. And I feel like they have not given me one, but we'll see. I was, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. Brian, we're not hopeful. We're disappointed. Well, I, overall, I'm always disappointed. <laughs> I, I, I would love to be wrong on this one. Cautiously optimistic. Um, Hitman 3. I like that this seemed like a more narrative-based experience. Yeah. yeah. I really liked um, the last few Hitman games. They've been a really like um, fun experience. And I really actually do like the story of hitman i think it's kind of like i like the agent like i think it's kind of fun i liked how bondian this looked it's weird because like i i'm not that into the new hitman games i like them but like when i take a step back and look at how they revitalize that franchise i think it's fucking amazing (laughs) what they've done and it's just i have no criticisms it's just not something i enjoy that Mm -hmm. much and it's really cool to see them be successful and after all the trouble that studio's gone through i'm really glad that they're like getting a third game yeah I, yeah, I, yeah and the idea that it's that kind of gameplay with more story rich stuff in it it does feel like like a bond skyfall kind of situation i'm yeah, it like does. no no i really like the story that it's mm-hmm. like the one percent of the one percent where it's just like the wealthiest people who just get to play in their own like murder playground and he's just a pawn in it um I, it's got some good globe trotting locations like it looked like it had a kabuki cho uh, 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 Tokyo location. The 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 first one is what in the Emirates, mm-hmm. and it's a, a high rise skyscraper. I really hope that location doesn't have a ground. Like I hope. Yeah, it, I don't oh, think it will. I I I think it'd be cool that it only takes place like you know fifty stories high. Have you ever played these, Brent? I've watched videos. I don't think I'd like playing them. Um, Astro's Playroom. Sure, this will probably be pre-installed on the system. Yeah, yep. for sure. Sure. Little Devil Inside. I really liked how this looked. I yeah, this, fucking this had such loved a nice how aesthetic. this looked. This was such an animator game. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But like, this is another thing where it's like got that chunky origami aesthetic. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But everything from like the shapes of the people, like there's that one shot of the tall man standing in his little tall toilet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like how it's 2D and 3D. Um, yeah, it, yeah. Like, and it, depending on like, you know, it's got the flat visuals or the... Like the three D exploration, they have the like flat, like the flat visuals to kind of communicate this narrative, and then yeah. the three D exploration of it. I'd love, I'd love to know more about what this game is. Me too. But part Same of that is kickstarted. Just, yeah, it, it, the, 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 yeah, the the uh, game is a Kickstarter from twenty fifteen, and it's at the end of development. But part of it's just like they made me so intrigued just with the general like look and vibe. It mm-hmm. looks incredible. Um, bad name. 
Little Devil inside. I think so. Especially the way it was presented on screen because Little Devil was way bigger than the inside. So I was like, Little Devil. And then I was like, inside. <laughs> um, but yeah, not the best name, but I loved how it looked. Probably one of my most anticipated games. Yeah, this is definitely game. one of the best yeah. on the list. NBA... 2K21, you guys want to get sweaty? Yeah, high sweat tech. Uh, this is a game. Yeah, it's out holiday 2020. This is your annualized sports game, everyone. <laughs> I just love how I've never seen a real person that sweaty. Yeah. Uh, sure. Next game. Yep. <laughs> um, bug snacks. I, this is the Vore game. Yeah, this is the game oh, from the people no. that made Octodad. Um, I didn't. I thought this game looked really annoying. Yeah. I thought it looked great. I knew it. I love the Fucking idea that you it. would eat some, like, eat a chip and then your arm is a curly fry. <laughs> like, that's fun. Yeah, and I'm in divorce. Basically, the whole concept is you are what you eat. So whatever the character eats, they become. I don't know how it's going to work. It looked silly and it looked like Muppet characters eating food and then becoming food. The Muppet characters looked like the next door neighbors in Gumball. Yeah. They looked exactly like those character designs. And once I noticed that, I was like... Are you going to get in trouble? Real flappy mouth, like, murp, murp yeah, characters. Yeah, with, with the goofy nose. Yeah. They've, they've got, like, a like a, a Grover nose. This is 100% a game I would have to see reviews for. I'm not, like, going to get it. But I kind of like the idea of turning into food that you eat. It won me over a bit more as the trailer went on. But, yeah, I was just kind of like, okay. That strawberry was so fucking annoying. We went from really, really beautiful, high-fidelity kind of gameplay to kind of this that felt very old. In its aesthetic. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Octodad was really funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Demon Souls remake. Nobody's surprised Demon Souls remake has been confirmed. Yeah. I- I'm really at a point where I don't want any more remakes. This is being done by Bluepoint, who are the remaster studio. That's the thing. If you're going to get someone to remaster- remake it, like these are the fucking guys. I love Shadow of the Classes remake. That is one of the fucking... Did these do the Metal Gear Solid remake? The Metal Gear Solid 3 remake? Uh, I think so. I think they so. might have, yeah. And that's an amazing remake. They're based in Texas and are made up of ex-Metroid Prime staff. Oh, weird. They just know how to make a game. So here's a thing. I haven't played Demon Souls and I thought this trailer looked cool. I really like the stingrays that were floating in the sky. Yeah, so many monsters. Really, like those monster designs are cool. So this is something I would totally play. Afterwards, the person I was watching the stream with, um, Justice Kazi, he played for me the original intro to this and kind of like Shadow of the Colossus where there's this kind of mystique of something not there because there's like kind of like like it the it's the clarity isn't as rich it's you know what I mean storytelling yeah that kind of felt a little lost in it like this is totally something I would play because I've oh, not yeah, experienced this totally it totally felt like here's a bunch of monsters like go kill them yeah where when I watched the original intro of Demon Souls it felt way more mysterious to me yeah. you know like you don't see what's there so like I think that's an interesting like concept like this is such a like thesis crap but like about like what is lost in the transition of like really high fidelity versus kind of stuff left in the wings of yeah. imagination but uh, it's interesting, and as someone who hasn't played Demon Souls, this is uh, this is something I would. Yeah, pick like up. I've never I've never beat Demon Souls. I've played it a couple of times. Um, I'm like, gonna the, yeah. buy this. I'm not like super psyched about it, mm. but yeah, I'll buy it. Yeah, the what they came out like 12 years ago, and it was kind of underlooked at the time. Yeah, because no one, as weird as it sounds, no one knew that we were playing a Souls game because Souls games didn't exist, and people were just like. 
This is hard and the controls are slow. Um, Death Loop. To me, this was the best trailer. Yeah, this looked great. I just think it, it did a great job of like getting you interested in the game, explaining the gameplay, the world, but having like flashy motion graphics as well. I think like as marketing, it was like firing on all cinders. For a new IP, I think it sold it very hard. Yeah. Uh, Arcane are so great of tying in their world, their gameplay, and their graphic design. So the like Saul Bass kind of Vertigo oh, yeah, style lovely. graphic design. I with love that, that retro world. future stuff. It's so good. Like it all fit to get felt like just fit together so perfectly with the music design of it. They have a, such a realized world already that I thought this trailer just looked great. And and just the fact that like you have your eight targets um and like you, you, mm-hmm. you you've already built the story in your head. Like it's a really simple video game yeah. story, but you're gonna like make it as complicated or as simple as you want yeah it'll be interesting to play because like like dishonored and prey felt like you know sometimes you like inch your way through that and this felt so fast for an arcane game yeah totally okay um this next one guys as the uh hardcore resident evil fan of this podcast would you mind if i say said a few words um I think for, you know, a lot of Resident Evil fans, the last, God, like, 10 years have been really difficult because it's it's just disappointment after disappointment and Capcom have taken the series in an abysmal direction and what was once fear and real has become a cheesy, low-budget horror movie and it's been very difficult watching the... No, no, we, no. I'm nearly done. I'm nearly done. I'm nearly done. And this next part, it's not even insulting. It's not. It's. It's not demeaning. It's not anything. It's been very difficult watching those of a simple nature eat every piece of swill they're fed. <laughs> you dick. Get out. Get out. And all I can say is, as the Resident Evil fan of this podcast, it's so exciting to see what's potentially a real return to form. The sequel to 7, your favorite game. The sequel to Resident Evil 4. <laughs> so this is Resident Evil 8. Uh, you t- it's, sorry, t- it's Village Resident Evil 8 in the title, kind of, if you squint. V-I-I. It's like funny. I watched the developer conference after and they were like, it's not Resident Evil 8 Village, it is Village. But with an 8 in the... But the they village. were like, but we allude to it that it's eight. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's like, this just is call it Resident Evil Eight. Yeah. It's Resident Evil Eight, and everyone's going to call it Resident Evil Eight because you put the number eight they're on screen so and the words Resident vague. Evil. Mm-hmm. You fucking clown! Your game looks really good. This takes place in a Romanian village. You play as uh, Chris Redfield. He's no, monk. you play as Ethan. You play as Ethan from Seven. Chris oh. has just gotten more fridge-like, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, tanky old Chris comes along, and in the trailer he shoots Mia from Seven, <laughs> and he brings Ethan back into the fold. Why does Ethan matter? He doesn't. I like Ethan for the fact that he's, he's no, no one. He's, he he yeah, is literally he doesn't a even have a face. player surrogate. Yeah. He does have a face. He's um, blonde. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. But his face is in the mud and you need to yeah. like look behind underneath the mud. Uh, Chris Redfield has the exact hairstyle and coat as Lauren Malvo from season one of Fargo, but a more buff version of him. That's so funny. In my mind, I was like, oh, he kind of looks like Barnett from Love Umbrella. is Blind. Oh, no, the guy from Umbrella Academy as well. Oh, yeah. Just like a, like a top-heavy man. Mm-hmm. 
I thought this looked excellent. This is exactly what I wanted to see from Resident Evil. The shotgun witch scared the fuck out of me. The werewolf. Oh my god. Uh, I am so excited for this game. I really hope that they don't fuck it up. Because I know that, like, we can't take another bad Resident Evil game. I think Resident Evil has been just, like, getting better and better and better. 7 was good. She's I, just joking. 2 folks. Remake was amazing. Me, 2 Remake is one of the best video games <laughs> two ever 2 Remake made. is a fucking piece of shit puzzle game where a screensaver <laughs> chases you. <laughs> Remake was great as well, and no, I'm really Neve, Neve, excited. Look into your own heart. You know that's not true. It was just short. Remake, it was just you short. Don't like and it. Remake was a disappointing gem. Yeah, exactly. It was uh, like a gem that you need to buff. It was but like a like, gem made of shit. But eight, I love how this looks. I love how you jump from farmer in so a flat agreements. cap. Yeah, that this looks fucking great. Yeah, first to good of Resident vamp- Evil in fucking Shut first. Up, <laughs> to like vampire lady in a huge like like high fashion hat and it's like it's super cool i love how this looks so so excited so word is that internally this was actually a different game for a long time this wasn't a resident evil i think that's very apparent but fuck it i am so happy that they're just like own it lean into it make it yeah, look weird yeah, yeah, they're just like let's make a weird resident evil and i'm so excited i really hope with the werewolves like it's still kind of like a first person action where you have to like deal with them but yeah. I hope they have silver bullets and there's like different bullet mechanics because you know way they do that with like some of the heavier weapons you know with like oh, acid totally. and fire mm-hmm. I think like, let, like let's make this like if we're getting weird with this let's get fucking weird let's have the gameplay weird and tense and precise yeah, I really really hope it there's seems fun like mechanics it's going to be more action based yeah. like because like 7 was kind of slow so like this seems more actiony um I feel like the way you ruin this game is take that setting and those characters and give you a machine gun. Oh, John, they might. I really hope okay. there's not like... If they do, <laughs> if they do, we all have to admit that Resident Evil's been bad and it's been bad for 10 years. I really hope there isn't fucky. like... It's not bad, it's just weird. <laughs> I, I, I don't want there to be the enemies from Resident Evil 7 where it's that like mold man that game's so fucking bad but the it's mold so is bad. gonna be in it the mold is an infection Resident Evil 7 is three good hours and then shit I know but Resident Evil is this game series where so they much. we will they will they will continue over some of this lore so the mold shit is gonna be in it I think Ethan's Why infected think a bit why the mold shit will be in it because Ethan could only connect his hand back to himself because he was already pre-infected with the mold virus okay like that's okay as long as there's no mold people no i don't think there'll be mold people but i think ethan is probably infected in something and to some degree because how else could you get i mean aren't, aren't we usually with also mm-hmm. also it showed a baby oh i've already been on this they showed a key image which is basically a mandrake uh, mandrake root Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, 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 That's uh, in the shape of a fetus. Yeah, uh, baby plant. Yeah, yeah, the fetus yeah. thing. Yeah. And if, if any of you have watched um, Del Toro's uh, Pan's Labyrinth, they put the mandrake root under the pregnant mother who's losing her baby and stuff because the mandrake root is really related to fertility and it childbirth and fertility, all of this. Yeah. There's loads of babies in the trailer of this. There's also uh, like the four-winged angel um, Cerebrum, who's in this, who is connected to Genesis. So there's loads of Bible religious shit already. If an angel already. showed up in Resident Evil, I'd shit myself. There's just like, it's like loads I of... I really hope there's like... Yeah, Romanian like, medieval witchcraft plus like Genesis Bible shit. Do you think since it's Romanian, will they have like some sort of Vlad the Impaler vampire thing? Well, if they're having werewolves, 
all bets are off. Yeah, okay. like, yeah. anything anything mm-hmm. can happen. The dark here. universe like, is finally happening. And everyone. that fancy lady in her fancy hat was drinking blood from a hand stump. She had a reflection, so depending on how they're dealing with vampires in this, she might be a vampire. She, she might could not be, be turning. Could be at that two mm-hmm. day phase. We don't know. But like, like even the fact that we're having a conversation like this about this already for from a trailer makes me excited for this game. There was I so much in it. I genuinely don't know how you nail Resident Evil Eight so much hard. Like, I feel like when I was a kid and Resident Evil Two came out. The idea of Resident Evil 8 would have sounded so fucking crazy and nightmare. Like, what the fuck would they even do? And this is it. Like, this is how you... And I... God, I hope this game's fucking good. I'm so happy. All jokes aside, like, this is the shit I want from Resident Evil. Mm -hmm. And I am so excited. This is the hypest moment of the show for me, for sure. I'm so happy they've gone back to a European village as well. Yeah. Pragmata. This is uh, The Last of Us 3. It's a, a sad dad game with a daughter he must protect. There was, there, I think there was a bit where I was like, oh shit, I hope they're on the moon. And yeah, they are. Yep, that's a bit all I have to say about it's, that. It's made by it, Capcom. Uh, who knows what that means? I really thought it was a Kojima game. Yeah, me yeah, too. It kind of has that vibe, but it gave you nothing. No gameplay, no nothing. It was just kind of mood piece with a yeah. weird space boy and a Magic tiny daughter. child. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like there was nothing in this I could connect to being a game. And so I don't have really have an opinion on it. Then they ended with a new Horizon game, Horizon 2. Forbidden West. Sure. Sure. Uh, did you guys... I, I played the original Horizon. You're the only one of this. I played it for 10 hours and I was so fucking bored and I just got rid of it. It is just... Like, the previous Horizon game and, like, the stuff in this trailer looks like it's going to solve a lot of my issues with it. The previous Horizon game was just, like, a dumbed-down Tomb Raider with a bigger map, but it's still the same thing where, like, you just have valleys, and if you try and go up any incline, you just slide down the incline, and you're just doing radio towers to unlock submissions. It's one of those third-person skill tree games that was just oversaturated to a point, and like, the stuff they showed in this trailer where it looked like Aloy could go underwater and she could scale mountains looks promising, but that is still all just cinematics that doesn't mean shit to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, this was a beautiful looking trailer and all the environments look nice. I try and question why me specifically haven't played Horizon, because it feels some, like such a neat game. That's I have been trying to figure out for the longest time, because you play as a cool girl, she has a bow and arrow, mm-hmm. and there's, like, nature. That's everything you like. It's the nature that bothers me. It doesn't make sense there's like so like in horizon it's that the only surviving living animal is a human essentially and that like all the other uh like creatures are mechanical Mm -hmm. uh yeah and they showed more like like animals in this but there's something about the world that feels so fake it feels like really like and like this is a beautiful trailer and I don't want to poo on anyone who's like super interested in this but for me it like I really like environments that feel real rather they're fictional are like actual based in reality and Horizon has always felt to me like here's a cool thing and here's a cool thing and here's a cool thing there's no rhyme and reason to it it's would just say, a whole pile of cool shit put together would you say it's like this is a piece of concept art that someone did yeah, exactly. and they were like okay this is the world it's based in and yeah. builds everything around that okay and like that makes total sense. The nature and the geography of it, of it, like while it looks super pretty, doesn't really appeal to me because the 
the rationale behind it doesn't make sense to me. I get you. And like, sure. I don't know why that's so important because I was trying to understand no, no, why that, I haven't no, that, played that, this. That, that is important because like, I feel does. like at a certain point, like environmental art, it's more than about conveying something beautiful. It's about telling a story. Yes. And yeah. um, I think the best environmental art does that. And I may like, now I haven't played Horizon and Nero, neither of you. So maybe mm-hmm. if we did, we'd be like, oh, it's Actually, there, yeah. But I get that you don't get that from this at this stage. Yeah, because like that's something like like Breath of the Wild that I didn't like either. Is like I felt like you go to different reasons, regions, and there wasn't this change or shift in environment that I wanted. Other than like it's fire now and it's wet now. Like it was the same type of animal, but with a new type coat of paint. In in the original game, the original uh, Horizon game, it's just like foresty area and then a more deserty area but they're kind of truncated in the middle by a valley that's a loading barrier. Yeah. It's not really an open world game. Sure. It's it, it, it's it's a Tomb Raider with a bigger bowl. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. And the reason I like Tomb Raider is because it's fantastical, but the fantastical is set in a reality. Yeah. Yeah. That was the PlayStation conference. Yeah. Uh, they, they Great. Um, honestly. Yeah. Fantastic. Xbox would really want to bring it hard. And I feel like when you compare this conference to the xbox conference they don't even feel like the same thing isn't it nuts that they announced the xbox and the visual of it at the game awards like that feels insane like why do they do that like it took the hype away from the like i think they thought it would be hype i realized that i had forgotten what the xbox looked like until this until this podcast Mm -hmm. i just it hadn't registered in my brain that it was just that tower yeah it's a coffin and it's interesting because like it's so like that's like the slick clean design but if it was crazier looking it would probably stick out in our hand in our mind yeah. and like the pro to the playstation 5 looking as crazy as it does is it it's memorable yeah do you think you'll get the system at launch or yeah you yep like i am definitely a launch person I'm um i probably won't asshole. get until 2021 Brian, if you don't do Brian, feature, you're off the podcast. Yeah, I, you're on a video game podcast. But I don't want to fucking... The, the, the launch game is Spider-Man. I don't want to fucking play that shit. There'll Brian. probably be more than one. I don't know. If that, I think a lot of these games are out in 2021, 2022. Okay, well, um, you can find us your replacement in that case. <laughs> That's fine. Um, yeah, no, I, I'll get it. But honestly, the main reason I'm getting it is because like this podcast, and it's, it's my job to talk about that stuff. Um, if I if that wasn't the case, I don't know. I think I probably still would. Honestly, I think I'm yeah, ready same. for a new console, but we'll see. Um, let's say we do some emails. We we we've got one that's kind of easy to answer. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. okay. We have an email address. It's askletsfightaboss at gmail.com. That's askletsfightaboss at gmail.com. We're going to do one email because uh, it's, it's three hours. It's fucking past midnight. I want these two out of my goddamn apartment. That's uh, fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this one is from Musty, and it is your favorite years in gaming. Um, without going too much into the question, Musty's favorite year is 2017, which I agree is a fantastic year. That's the year uh, Pyre, Prey, Near Automata, uh, and plenty of other games came out. Are there any games uh, from yesteryear that harken back to you? Because I have a few years off the top of my head. Go, Go on. For it. You're okay. such a year boy, though. Yeah. I don't remember okay. anything. Yeah, everything's just an okay. amorphous so, glob of time. Uh, growing up, the triple threat that was 1998, 1999, and 2000 
was amazing. Uh, stuff with Sony with all the Final Fantasy games all came out one year after the other around then. You had the Legend of Zelda games. Um, it was just a really interesting time for 3D video games. More recently from the previous decade, is probably 2013. That's when a lot of later, like like final releases for the PS3 and 360 came out that year. A lot of kind of trilogy games were ending. Um, I know Dead Space 3 ended, Bioshock Infinite ended, which is not a very good game, but people liked it at the time. Uh, the Last of Us, Last of Us One came out that year. GTA came, GTA Five came out that year, but also same that year in 2013 is when the PlayStation Four and Xbox One came out. So it was just a really, really exciting year for games. And then I think 2015 was a big year for games as well, because that's when a lot of like uh, the 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 uh, next gen games for the PS4 and the Xbox One started coming out. Yeah, um, 97, 98 is a big period for me. Um, I, a lot of my favorite games came out in 1997. You had GoldenEye for the N64, Final Fantasy VII, um, Ultima Online, which is one of my favorites ever, Star Fox 64, Dungeon Keeper, um, Fallout came out that year, the, for the Tomb Raider 2 came out that year, and a lot of good shit from that year, and Tekken 3 also came out, and Worms 2, but then 1998 is really, really good as well, because that was like Pokemon Red and Blue, and yeah. loads of other stuff. See, for me, it kind of blends in from like summer to summer, rather than end of year to start a year yeah um because as a kid that's kind of how you measure time there was definitely like the games that were the most formative to me came out in that time yeah for sure what about you neve uh it's so like it's hard to think of years i'm not really a i find it hard to solidify dates on things like i don't know time is weird i'm gonna just try 2007 because halo 3 came out and the darkness came out, which I had a lot of fun with. And B movie, the game came out in two thousand and seven. Two thousand seven was a good year, technically. Like um, at that point, the Xbox... you're such a freak. Why yeah, do you Brian, know did, this? Did you know that off the top of your head? Yeah, like off the top of your head. Yeah, because at that point, the PS three and three sixty were two and a half years old, three years old. And I so, know, but this is thirteen years ago. How do you remember this? Because I like years. But and... Brian, like, there's no way to even tell what games came out that year. You go on Wikipedia and I read it. <laughs> oh, I just don't remember things. Do you not, um, do you not like look at years and geography and okay? No, never. Here's the years that I know that shit happened in. What was the year you? Twenty twenty. Jesus. Yeah. We we were all born in two thousand. Everyone. Yeah. We're, we're just a bunch of hip cats mm-hmm. who don't have sore knees. Oh, I don't want the college. What? I don't know. My tummy hurts because I'm old. <laughs> I need to eat porridge more. Oh, I love porridge. Porridge is good, Brian. Yeah. Oh, I make a sick porridge. Oh, what? You put an egg in it, don't you? Okay, well, you don't have to put the egg in. That's eggage. That's different. But no, (laughs) porridge. Okay, you get some porridge, mix it with some milk, heat it on high for three minutes, take it out, stir it like the fucking devil's chasing you. Then you put it back in for one. Put it back in for one more minute. Back in where? The microwave. Oh no, you do stovetop porridge. You don't no, do microwave no, bullshit, porridge. Bullshit. Microwave's gonna like make it all I'm like, yeah, I'm it's gonna like make half, it like cement. I'm, not the way I do it. That's why you take it out and you stir it. Mm. Then I take it out and it's like it's it's beautiful. It's 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 like a, it's kind of solid, but it's kind of liquid, but it all comes perfect. And then you get a banana. You chop the banana up and then you like 
form a seal. You submerge the banana completely. My so power, my pleasure, my pain. So, so it all kind of liquidizes. And then you put a little drop of honey in there and you put some walnuts in there. Fucking incredible. I eat that, I'd say, 350 days a year. Patreon shoutouts. musty thank you musty uh we have a patreon uh we have a stretch goal and that's enough about that uh oh yeah yeah we have a stretch goal and we're real close and now that we're allowed to be in each other's company physically this is our first time in how many months three three this is our first time sitting together for in three months that's why if you thought this kind of podcast was a bit hyper and fucking weird if there's a frightening energy to this podcast that's the reason we're all drinking together and not drinking each other in three months (laughs) yeah we can make eye contact with each other. Uh, Shenmue Sick. 2 stretch goal. Let's make it happen, guys. Uh, scam your friends. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, we have a Discord. There's a lovely community there. We have a section called Patreon Shoutouts. If you shout us out, it will sound something like this. This is from Joshua PD, and he says, I am Josh 2.0. What happened that show? Was it Jake 2.0? Jake 2.0. I've been uh, thinking about that show a lot recently. I don't we know why. do a rewatch and discussion. I didn't watch it in the first place that's why it ended um this next one is from sam sam thank you ma'am wow um, shout out for my 29th birthday on may 12th 2020 or 2022 when you get this message would be awesome thanks team no problem sam sam always happy to deliver happy, happy bir- birthday sam sam i love you sam sam you're my favorite ma'am uh this is from master shrub can i get the professor of anime to congratulate ben for getting his master's degree and taking the next step towards becoming a professor of history. Uh, you'll have to contact the YouTuber Professor Anime for that. I, I'm not affiliated with him, nor do I infringe on his gimmick. Congratulations, Ben. Um, congratulations, Ben. That's amazing. Please, everyone, stop calling me Professor Anime. I know I instigated this, but there's I'm, I'm gim- infringing on someone's gimmick. He's now called the Nameless, everyone. The Nameless One. The Infinite. Uh, John, don't get carried away. <laughs> Come on now. Okay. Loot drop. We're at the end of the show. We got some cool stuff for How you guys. How long is this fucking show? Uh, 500 hours. No, it is uh, three hours and approximately eight minutes. It's going to wrap up around three minute, three hours, ten minutes. Okay, Neve, what do you got? I got People Make Games and Inside Second Life's Most Expensive Brothel. And this is about how sex is sold and how sex work works within Second Life. What and are people buying, Neve? They are buying... Um, is this like a domination sexy... and emotes like you know okay you can pay for emotes happening and there's different pieces of furniture that has different sexy or emotes attached to it is anyone like naturally a dom you know I'm sorry <laughs> let's just as a bottom yes okay <laughs> Yeah, all bottoms here. Um, so this is... I'm going to say I did not fist bump anything. People make games inside Second Life's most expensive brawl. I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was really cool that these women uh, can make money through Second Life. Second Life is a fucking weird. I got kicked out of it once for trolling. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we would get fucking kicked out of it for acting the fucking galoot. Uh, but this was fun. Okay. I, I like people make games. That's a great YouTube channel. I, I like Chris Pratt. He was on Eurogamer. Yeah. Not, not not Chris Pratt. 
Chris Bratt. Yeah. And he's he started a channel on his own. Now he's got a team and they're, they're making cool. They really take their time with the videos and they only do like a couple of videos a year, but they're all great. Good shit. Um, I am going to recommend the video, Why Do Horror Games Sound So Beautiful? And this is from the YouTuber Jacob Geller. And Neve, I think you recommended Jacob Geller a couple Not of episodes Not once, but ago. twice, yeah. yeah. And I think you gave him maybe the worst push <laughs> we've ever given anyone on a loot drop. Jacob, we're so sorry. <laughs> yeah, Here's John making up for it. God, yeah. Um, this is an absolutely beautiful video. And it, I find like talking about sound design and music very difficult in videos. And I think it's something a lot of people kind of struggle with because you either have to go super technical or super like broad. And I think Jacob strikes this really incredible balance where he gives like a lot of meaning and context to a lot of songs that I've loved in horror games and makes me understand why I like them. And uh, I think he's super talented, really, really talented guy. And I just really enjoyed this. And I'm looking forward to checking out more of his stuff. Brian. Uh, mine is Wrestling with Gaming on YouTube. This is a, a retrospective video game YouTube channel, but this is a nice collaboration between this YouTuber and a few others. And it's on the history of the Neo Geo. And it's just a console in the 90s that nobody could afford. And they made very expensive games for a very expensive system. And they ran arcade, one-to-one perfect games on a home console, which is insane. And how much were the games? They were like fucking five hundred dollars or some shit. <laughs> it blows my mind every time I hear and that. I, I I don't know if they were on disc or if they were on like a board, but like it's just this kind of like mythical console trying to like them decoding and explaining and just being like, look, nobody owned this, but like we're gonna try and explain it from like an outsider's perspective, and it's just people piecing together what they know, because like. I, I think if someone owned this back in the day they don't want to talk about it yeah uh, and, and now these games can emulate perfect on modern modern machines but it's just that kind of illusion and that kind of mysterious aspect to the Neo Geo and guys that's it let's put a boss's back a small portion of order has returned to the world in what is probably our most chaotic and cursed episode it's one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. What the fuck even was this? It got really weird. Oh my yeah. god, there's several points. Remember where... the man baby? <laughs> oh, he's coming back, don't you worry. Yeah. He's, he's getting tossed in the bed soon. Like, I don't want to spoil the next episode, but I've been working on a kind of man baby character, and it's uh, it's pretty provocative. John, you got to put on your jammies for us? I can't do it. I won't do this. You got me. I, I got nothing. I can't. No. One, one leg at a time. No. I don't want to be a baby. And I don't like those bits you guys do about me being a baby. <laughs> they're fucking weird. And they're weirder than Maybe he's having that. a temper tantrum. Oh, I, someone needs to pinky. <laughs> I think we got to warm up that milk. Would you like a suckle? Brian's ready. No, look, we're back. Like John's kind of weeping. Uh, we're back. It's nice to be back. It's nice to record in person with everyone. It's nice to talk to everyone. And oh god, he's actually in tears. <laughs> just that was. I just want to. I just want to end the podcast now. No, we don't have to end it. <laughs> um, so, um, what are your hopes for the PlayStation Six? I hope there's a baby simulator. Good night, everyone.